Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising, news, reviews of fights, interviews of fighters, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Hey y'all, how's everything going? <laughs> uh, and uh, this is a, uh, we were supposed to have uh, a third guest on, uh, Bad mixtape assassin Zach. Unfortunately, he is incognito right now. Um, hopefully, he can join uh, midway through or maybe during. But as of now, it'll just be you'll just be hearing the voices of Andrew and Christian talking to you about all things Ryzen and JMMA. And uh, well, on the contrary, Andrew, we were supposed to have been doing a Rise World Series edition, a Rise Review edition of the We Are Rising podcast, but unfortunately, our Rise World Series preview episode got lost. Ah, uh, yes. Would you care to explain? Oh, uh, yes, and I will take the full blame for the Rise Preview podcast going into the void, the, the podcast audio void. Uh, unfortunately... I thought I had saved the audio file on Audacity, and then I went to do some. I went to install some updates on my laptop, which had the uh, audio file. And unfortunately, well, I guess I didn't save the file, and it, it got lost in that uh, in the lost episode void. So. Yeah, last week we had a uh, we previewed the rise card, talked a little bit about the deep card. We had. Zach was here to uh, talk about other JMMA things, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was a good it was a good show, and um, unfortunately, yep, it just you know it's a lost episode, um, and uh, yeah, lost and never to be found again. <laughs> but uh, like most electronics that left around me, <laughs> yeah, that's or or my sister who's lost like five phones in a year. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, uh, Damn, that sucks. Yeah, and uh, but uh, regardless, we're still here. We are we are here to talk about JMMA, uh, some MMA related news, and we will talk a little bit about the Rise, uh, Deep and K1 Festa cars that did hap- that happened all in the span of one weekend, um, and that was. And when it came down to that Rise and. K1 card, that happened within the span of, I think, around six hours a couple of weeks back. Exactly, yes, yeah. It was that was that was a crazy week for just MMA in general. I think UFC also had a show as well. Um there was a bunch of regional well, we care not to talk about that. <laughs> UFC had uh, a bunch of regional shows were happening. I think that C E S L or L F A um had shows as well, but that was a that was a huge week for combat sports in general. It was just one that you know it's that one that one week where like everything is happening all at once as well. Um, that that always happens. Keep up with everything. Yeah, exactly. And um, but uh, we, I, I did watch the Rise show that uh that weekend. Um, I only saw clips from the Deep show and Takaru's fight from the K One show. But um, mm-hmm. that will be that will be the main course for this podcast. Uh, we have some other topics that uh, uh, we would like to discuss. 
Uh, one of them uh, being that, uh, uh, Christian, you probably heard about Strasser Kichimoto going to, uh, to uh, Bellator. Oh, yes, Kichi Strasser Kichimoto, former UFC fighter, former Heat welterweight champion. Obviously, I don't know if he's going to be a former Ryzen fighter, considering the fact that Ryzen and Bellator have this partnership together, but... The reason why Kichi Tsukuni Moto wanted to go to Bellator is because of the fact that he probably wanted to go to a promotion that has an active welterweight division, unlike Ryzen, which he basically fought two fights for, and they could barely find opponents for him. One of them was Satoru Kitaoka. Yeah, he was a lightweight. And he's a lifetime lightweight, but still... Point of the matter is, I'm just happy for Kunimoto because he actually gets to fight in a division that's going to be worth something while Ryzen still trying to get their shit together when it comes down to building divisions. Yeah, you know and, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that's, you know, one of the positive things we could say about Ryzen is that uh, their lightweight division is probably their best division, probably followed by, by Bantamweight and then Flyweight. Um, we got. Well, they have super the, yeah, super atom weight, female super atom weights. Uh the lightweight division is getting there. We know with the, with the title shot that will be uh the King Mo Jiri fight that will be happening. Heavyweight seems. Well, to, I think you mean the light heavyweight. Oh, division. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, light heavyweight. Yeah. Um, their heavyweight uh division is uh, it's not. It's the problem. They 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 have their heavyweight division seems to be in flux. Where it's, you know, I mean, with the recent retirement of Krokop, there doesn't seem to be, you know, it, it seems to be a little bit, I don't want to say in limbo, but there's still, it doesn't seem to be a very packed division, um, in my eyes. Well, you can basically thank Bolt Parov and Chibi Sai for that. Oh, yes. And then their featherweight division, which, you know, I think is probably their weakest division, which basically is uh, Mikuru Azakura. That's basically like their entire featherweight division at this point. Losing Crone Gracie did not help as well, I will say. Um, oh, of course. I mean, Crone Gracie was just sitting there for like two years going on a Captain Planet binge trying to be a planeteer or something before going to the UFC. Did you know he's a flat earther? I don't know. And I don't really care much for flat earthers. Well, he's a flat earther. He's one of those. He's one of those guys who's a. Uh, I guess you could say he's like. I don't really know. Uh, like he, he, I guess he, he questions the official shape of the earth. He doesn't say he's a. I don't think he actually has said he's a flat earther. But he's one of those guys who says he's just he's just asking questions, quote unquote. So basically, he is a flat earther. He just he just doesn't want to admit it. Something like that. I mean, what's the whole point of the he's around the world? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Basically, people are saying that the Earth is flat. It's stupid. Exactly. Um, we did have a question though. I think this would be a, a good thing to uh to uh talk about uh regarding Ryzen and the Bantamweight division. Um, this question was, was from at Teep to the Junk. Okay, who might that be from? Oh, Teep to the Junk and a former uh, guest on the show. Oh. 
and a great person to follow on Twitter, especially for all Bellator, um, all anything Bellator related. And they, Bellator had a show, I think, yesterday or today. They're having a show. Do you happen to know Christian? Oop, may have just watched Christian. Okay, well, this is what Tita Junk's question is. With the loss and disgrace of Dillasalt, he means TJ Dillashaw. Uh, oh, Christian, you, you back? Now? Oh, sorry, no, I was just, I was just, uh, I was uh, just. Yeah, basically, I was just, basically, I was just saying that last night Bellator had a card that was headlined by Georgie Karakanyan. Oh, okay, that's what I thought, okay. Um, I thought there was a show yesterday, um, I knew there was a show this weekend, but I didn't know if it was today. Yesterday or today, um, but he, uh, just repeat uh, Tito Junk's question. With the loss and disgrace of Dillasalt, and he means uh, T.J. Dillashaw, former UFC bantamweight champion, is Kyoji Horiguchi the clear number one bantamweight in the world right now? And I think that's a very good question to bring up because um, Kyoji Horiguchi now rising bantamweight champion. Uh, with uh with UFC for those that don't know, uh TJ Dillashaw had a he failed a drug test or he got flagged for a drug test. What's the exact what exactly happened, Christian? Do you know? He failed an in competition drug test. Okay. So this this isn't is this isn't a one of those drug tests where they come to your house at one AM, I believe. This is this was this is one during I think training camp um time. If I'm correct, mm -hmm. okay, and um, so with when that happened, he voluntarily relinquished the UFC bantamweight championship and is now removed from all from the UFC rankings. I'm sure he's still in some other rankings, uh, from other publications, but uh, UFC has removed him as uh, from from the bantamweight rankings. So now that 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 has happened. Does Kyoji Horiguchi have a case to say that he is the best bantamweight in the world? What do you think about that, Christian? To be honest, I think he is the best bantamweight in the world. People just don't seem... I mean, people are just not caring right now because of the fact that, you know, they either see Ryzen as this promotion that's on a fringe or they still see it as promotion because of how they put over the Mayweather Nasakawa fight and they really don't care about anything else out of that promotion. Mm. But I do think that Kiyoshi Horiguchi is the top bantamweight in the world, no question about it, because if you look at it, if you look how flawless he's been since the Demetrius Mighty Mouth Johnson fight, you would know that this dude is basically on a tear that most people really ought to find the time to care about because, I mean, put it to you this way. I seen like a little clip of a little video that said that he was at a Florida Panthers hockey game a few days back, and they labeled him as a, a former UFC fighter, not rising bantamweight champ, not guy on an undefeated winning streak. No, they're basically saying that they basically said at the Florida Panthers game that he was a former UFC fighter. So basically what I'm trying to say here is I think that Kyoji just isn't getting the amount of respect from major MMA mainstream media that would 
that would basically say that he's the number one bantamweight in the world, but I think that we, those who are intellectuals who have actually seen and cared about Ryzen over the last three or four years, would know that he is one of, if not the best bantamweight on the planet today, especially with Dillashaw being disgraceful mm -hmm. in that manner. Um, and uh, I have the uh, there's I I can't disagree with anything you said. And uh, this that also wants me to uh, that I want to also bring up something else. Um, so the Wrestling Observer Awards came out. I know that's your favorite. Um, your favorite uh, publication. Yeah, fuck those guys. So and um, for those that don't know, that is the the promotion uh, the publication that Dave Meltzer uh, who uh, writes um, self writes and uh, every year they have the awards for MMA and for pro wrestling. And this was their top... They had a category for Most Outstanding Fighter of the Year for 2018. And the winner was Daniel Cormier. And here are the runners-up in, uh, in uh, I guess, in voting order. So basically, uh, the Observer readers vote. And then they pick... Uh, they pick... Uh, um, I guess Dave Meltzer and his people look at all the people that come in and then pick the top 10 votes or uh, the most amount of votes. For each category, and so uh, these were the, the winner. Uh, the uh, uh, Daniel Cormier was number one, and in uh, the next order, uh, in in terms of votes, it was Khabib Nurmagomedov, Amanda Nunes, Max Holloway, Henry Cejudo, John Jones, Israel Adesanya, Dustin Poirier, Demetrius Johnson, and then coming last. Kyoji Horiguchi. So we have well, basically all but two are UFC fighters. Yes. So it's ten people, ten ten fighters, uh, and let's be honest. By the time what I'm going to put Demetrius Johnson in the category of a UFC fighter because when this was done, when when people were voting, uh, he people were thinking of Demetrius Johnson still in his UFC run. And I think I think you know he didn't do any he didn't fight outside and won yet. That will be happening next week. So I consider Demetrius Johnson for for this category or he's st still being considered as a UFC fighter if that makes sense. Um, so if you go by that, there's only one real fighter there who is not a UFC fighter and hasn't been for a while, and that's Kyoji Horiguchi. And I think I think this. Illustrates a big, a big issue we have with the MMA media. And here's the thing: it's not even that it's just it's all UFC fighters. There's no Bellator fighters there, you know. Um, you know, Benson Henderson had a good 2018, but he's not there. Um, you know, what about Ryan Bader? Ryan Bader had probably one of the best runs, one of the best runs I've seen from a fighter who at one point, you know, was considered supposed to be the next big thing and then became a gatekeeper and now has had a rejuvenated career. He's not there. He beat, uh, he beat, uh, he, uh -huh. he didn't, I think, wasn't it, he didn't go beyond the first round for any of his, um, except for, except for the Mitrione match. He didn't go beyond the first round, I think, for any of those fights that he was involved in for that, uh, heavyweight tournament. I mean, yeah, I guess you can say that and all of his Grand Prix fights, all of those fights were finishes, and now he's a double champion for 
Bellator. Exactly. The light heavyweight and heavyweight champion. Exactly, yeah. So, he should, I would say he has more of a case to be an outstanding, an outstanding fighter than Israel Adesanya or Dustin Poirier. Uh, even Demetrius Johnson because, I mean, Demetrius Johnson lost his last fight in UFC. So, I, I that should be a consider, that should absolutely be considered a factor in somebody's overall fighting career of the year. He lost his last match. I know that some people said, said he didn't, but he did in the record books. I have a bit, I, I have many problems with this, with, with this list. Daniel Cormier, I have no problem with him being outstanding, outstanding fight of the year. What he did in 2018 was great, you know. I think he, he, did, he had not, he finished every fight that he was in and had some great fights. Khabib only had two fights. Um, I think it was was a, it was Ally Quinta, which was a, a last minute nose fight, which was all that was a crazy thing. And then he had the Connor fight, which he, he finished Connor with the neck crank and became the lightweight champion, but didn't defend it at all throughout the year. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Daniel Cormier and uh, Khabib being uh, considered two fighters of the year? Do you think that they? Do you think that they have a case? Well, obviously, considering the fact that they are champions, and seeing the fact that Daniel Cormier was a double champion last year before he vacated the light heavyweight belts, they deserve their cases to be top fighters of the year, according to douchebag Dave Meltzer. Mm. But I still think that Kiyoshi Horiguchi shouldn't have been left down all the way to 10 in that list. Absolutely. I mostly thought... because of the fact that, I mean, mostly because of the fact that Horiguchi's accomplishments are just as greater, if not similar, to what Ryan Bader did, what Daniel Cormier did, what even Khabib Nurmagomedov did. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at... Uh, so basically... So, oh, no, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say... Nah, you go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I was going to say, Dustin Poirier fought twice last year. And granted, he finished... Uh, uh, it was against uh, Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez, which was a rematch that they ha had. And yeah, they, he, he finished both of them, but he only had two fights last year. Kyoji Horiguchi had... More and won a championship and was in a kickboxing fight with the best kickboxer in the world. Let's see how many fights. Uh, how many fights that uh, he had? He had three. He had three MMA matches. Uh, Horiguchi did. He finished two of them. One went to a decision, which was basically it was basically a domination. Um, he did have uh, actually. If you want to also count the uh, the New Year's Eve shows as well, uh, he had a. Uh, 2017, uh, he, he finished all those as well. And he had the kickboxing match with tension where he looked very good. Even though he still lost. He still lost. He still, you know, considering that, that tension, you know, he um, he's finished uh, actual kickboxers. And we'll talk about that later. Uh, he, did, he wasn't able to finish Horiguchi. So I'm just, I'm, and Israel Adesanya, you know, I get Israel Adesanya is like, he's I he's the he's the wonder he's the 
I guess he's maybe being considered the next big thing in MMA. But also, here's the thing. He fought, he fought let's see, he fought three times in 20, uh, excuse me, four, four, four times uh, with two finishes. Um, and I do remember the Derek Brunson finish. Uh, so that, that was actually an uh, incredibly exciting fight. And uh, the Brad Tavares fight where he, um, where he basically, it was just five rounds of just Adesanya beating the shit out of Tavares. Um, but again, there was, you know, in terms of overall accomplishment and achievement, like, a title, like, he didn't do that. Uh, I'm just, that's, that just bothers me. It really bothers me that, 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 that and that's a, that there's a, and this is not, you know, it's not even the MMA media, because we also have to be fair to the observer. D Dave Meltzer doesn't pick the winners. The readers pick the winners. So that means the readers, this is what the readers uh, who, who are picking when they are voting the MMA categories. That's... Uh, Maybe the readers are thinking more with their asses instead of their heads. I, uh, in that case. I think they are. And, and you know, um... I think that I, I think a lot of them are, or it is also possible that they're just also influenced by you know the MMA media and all that stuff. Um, it's probably a combination of both. Um, I just that and the fact that it's probably part of the mainstream MMA media, whereas all you hear all the time is like eighty five percent UFC and then fifteen percent other promotions like Bellator or the PFL. Exactly. Um, yeah. It also, the, there's also a category for for mix for MMA's most valuable uh, fighter. Uh, I guess that would be the. I guess that's like that's like the MVP uh, award um, that he also has for the uh, for pro wrestlers. And it was only UFC fighters who made the list. I number one was Conor McGregor, which probably was going to happen. And then after that, it was Daniel Cormier, uh, Khabib, uh, Nunez, Jones. Holloway, Cejudo, Chris Cyborg, uh, Demetrius Johnson, and then in last place, T.J. Dillashaw. And listen, I can, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna at all disagree that Connor was the most valuable. That is, he he is a mega draw, beyond beyond anything incomprehensible. Like he is, he is that damn good of a draw. But I like most valuable. I I I'm looking at some like. Some I just don't understand like how some people see these mm -hmm. uh, see these people as the MVP, especially Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg lost to Manny Nunez, and then um for they had um for fight of the year. Once again, there was no you there was no non UFC fights. The entire thing was just UFC fights. Uh, winner was a uh, Justin Gaethje versus Justin Poirier. And then followed by that, Yara Rodriguez versus uh, Korean Zombie, Tony Ferguson versus Pettis, uh, Robert Whitaker versus Yo Romero, uh, Khabib and Connor, Nunez Cyborg, Cejudo, DJ, uh, Mighty Mouse, uh, Jacare and uh, Wyman, Holloway and Ortega, and uh, Thiago Santos and Jimmy Manoa. I mean, there is something, you know, it's incredible that, like, that there's no other fights that like it, it it pisses me off. It pisses me off. It really does. I can understand it. Uh, I woman, can 
Canada does. It would piss off many a fan who actually cares about the sport and not just the UFC. And here's here's women's MMA MVP. Uh there's only four. Only four people were chosen. Winner was Amanda Nunez. And then followed, that, followed by her was Cyborg, Valentina Shevchenko, and then Rosnama Yunez. Damn. So no Reina Kubota, no Kana Asakura. No Ayaka Hamazaki. Hell, no Ayaka Hamasaki, no list? None. It's, 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 it's... Yeah. Heck, you know what? You know, I'll even... Even Weili Zhang... I think it's having one of the best, or uh, Tatiana Suarez, are having two of the best, like non, oh, like two of the best UFC runs. Really, Valentina Shevchenko and Rose Namajunas as like MVPs. I just, yeah, the 2018 was not their, in my opinion, was not their year to win, uh, to win that award. I think there was many other. Japanese and non-Japanese fighters that were winning, that were worthy of winning that, um, that award. Um, I mean, come to think of it, Julia Budd could have been considered for that. Ah, that's even... She's kind of Bellator women's battle, I mean, women's featherweight champion. Exactly, Julia Budd, yeah, and she, uh, she has a fight coming up against, uh, Olga Rubin. Um, who just, uh, who just recently beat, uh, 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 Cindy Dandois in, uh, Bellator. Um, yeah, it's... Even though nobody in North America seen it because it wasn't shown on... It wasn't shown on the Paramount Network version of that event. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, it's, uh... Let's see. Uh, there was... The only other, like, Ryzen JMMA-related thing that, that got any sort of, uh, recognition... Uh, was in the best pro wrestling book category. Actually, uh, and the winner of that was Eggshells Pro Wrestling the Tokyo Dome by Chris Charlton, which I didn't read. Uh, and the other and the other winners were uh, Death of the Territories by Tim Hornbacker, Nitro by Guy Evans, uh, the comic book story of professional wrestling by Aubrey Citizen and Chris Moreno. Uh, and then here's a in a second, third, fourth, fifth place. Before Fall, A History of the Pride Fighting Championship by Iman Dalton and Lee Daly, which I read and there's a, I wrote a review of it on uh, MMASucker.com. It's a fantastic book. I absolutely loved it. It was a great read. Totally worthy of getting, uh, of, of at least making top 10 uh, pro wrestling, MMA, combat, sports book of the year, uh, um, that category. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's disheartening. It's it's really it's dis it's disheartening and disappointing that it and here's the thing, Dave Meltzer actually did cover Ryzen when he was in Japan for the for the New Japan show this year. So it's not like the Observer readers were entirely could not have been like not it's it, it had that had to be on the radar. So it's just. Yeah, it's yeah just... but if you think about it, dude, if you think about it, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's kind of my thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> but still, when it comes down to Dave Meltzer covering Ryzen, obviously he was there just to, no, wait, actually, first of all, he was there for like a week or so, because he wasn't also there to just cover Ryzen, he was there to cover the Russell Kingdom and New Japan Dash shows, Yeah, but... 
He was also there because of the fact that many of the boxing media, many of the MMA media in North America were only affixed to one thing, and that was the tension Nasukawa Floyd Money Mayweather fight, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, it just it just sucks, man. Like I'm like. I'm curious to know. So I I wasn't watching Pride when I was at its peak. I was not in into MMA at the time. Was Pride this? Was Pride ignored like this by MMA media at the time? Uh, as much. Oh no! It wasn't, dude. It wasn't. As a matter of fact, from douchebag Dave himself, he basically gave rise and. The distinction of best promotion of the year a few times. Oh, you mean bro- Pride closed up and was absorbed by the UFC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I feel like there was a time. That's why I was I was I I got was that Pride never was this ignored was never ignored by MMA media that it was covered like it was covered as an equal to UFC and um. I guess was Strike Force around or Affliction at the time? Uh, Strike Force was, but it wasn't. I mean, but it was basically around after the Pride collapse. It was only around. Oh, what am I trying to say? It wasn't as big as it was when it hit its peak. Ah, I gotcha. Okay, I see. Um. Yeah, you know, I just hope, you know, I hope that this, you know, I hope that, I hope that 2019 is a different year that Ryzen and, you know, other, you know, not just Ryzen, what's other promotions, Road SC, uh, Rise, uh, Road SC, KSW, EFC Africa, Kobachi Americas, UEFC, which is in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. I just want, I mean, basically... Basically, it's an open playing field, so to speak, for MMA around the world. Exactly, and you know, I I hope that uh, I hope that there that there's a lot more, not just in the observer, but just in just uh, just in media media in general is going to pay attention to other things that are outside the UFC, especially with how the UFC is being run right now. You know, it's uh, you know. There's other promotions there that res- that that treat media a lot better, you know, uh, and that uh, you know, that are actually not there to screw over the fans or screw over, you know, make make wonky decisions um, that don't benefit fighters. It's uh, it's 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 time that those promotions get you know, get the get the eyes that they should. They really should. Oh. In the case of promotions like ACB, I mean, Akmat Championship Absolute or Brave CF, you don't have to deal with an evil dictator running the show, not to be disrespectful of those promotions because they actually have good fighters. It's the leadership behind the scenes that really fucks things up. Oh, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, it sucks, you know. Anytime you hear about, like, you know, with that whole bare knuckle a uh, fighting promotion, or you know, just oh, the WBKFF, 
which now, of course, Chris Lieben's gonna be fighting for the bare knuckle fighting championship soon. Oh no, the one that uh, the one that got uh, that got shut down because they weren't po- well, yeah, they- the WBKFF. We covered that last fall. We talked about that. Okay. Uh. Okay. Because I know there's there's two of them. Remember there was one that Johnny Hendricks fought for. That's the one I'm thinking of. The one that got uh, that uh. Yeah, the WB. Okay. NFL. Okay. Good. Okay. The one yeah. that boxed Luton. Yes. Yes. That. Uh, or you know you hear you know uh, you know Russian promotions you know appearing one moment then disappearing the next and then you know mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 a disheartening part of MMA um, to hear about stuff like that as well as the people who you know the dictators behind the promotions uh, that are not. That are not looking out for the fighters, but are looking out for themselves. And oh, you know what? Kind of think of it. Speaking of which, I heard recently that one of the big cash cows of Russian MMA, he's gonna finally go to the UFC soon. Have you heard about this? Oh, um, what was his name again? What was his name again? I I think I briefly like saw it when I was. That was it. Yes, yeah. Yes, the Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk. There's a feeling that there's many Hulks in uh, MMA. Yes, um, well. Yeah, but still, point of the matter is this guy by the name of Ivan Shurtikov. That was it, Who goes by the nickname of Uno Hulk. He's going to be going to the UFC soon. And, of course, people noticed that he defeated, I mean, people noticed that he defeated, like, six UFC, Bellator, or JMMA veterans throughout his short career so far fighting in Russia under German Titov, who was another dictator fighting under his Russian Copper Company promotion. But now with Chertikov going to the UFC, do you think that, for one, he'll get exposed, and and do you think that the Russian Copper Company will lose interest? Well, here's what I know is that USADA will be working on uh, uh, uh on overtime on this guy because I've seen pictures of him. Oh, I bet they will. I bet they will. Um, and what I think about will will he be exposed? Um, you know, it's always interesting. You know how it's it's. I want to say yes. That uh, I want to say yes. Um, but here's what I think will probably, you know, the USC will probably put him up against somebody who he can easily beat. Presumably he beats that person, he might go on to better competition. And then we'll have to really see after that. You know, look what that, you know, UFC, um, uh, who was the, uh, the wife beater again that they, uh, that, uh, that, uh, fought, uh, this year on the first ESPN card? Uh, Greg, Greg, uh, Greg fucking Hardy. Yeah, it was a Greg Hardy. You know, they put him up against a guy, and I apologize, I don't remember his name, who they clearly wanted... Alan Crowder. Alan Crowder, yes. They wanted Hardy to beat Crowder. And that did not happen. Uh, actually, Crowder won he by... the got dis- disqualified. Yeah. So, I think that probably the UFC probably will... You know, I don't think that uh, that the Hulk will get him to self-disqualify in this match, but I think that, uh, that UFC is going to probably, you know... They'll probably have, like... They think they're supposed to be doing... A show in uh Europe, in Eastern Europe, or maybe Russia this year. I think I heard. I think that was yeah, a... they're doing a show in Russia, but obviously Greg Hardy is not going to be a part of that card. Oh. However, 
He will be fighting a Russian opponent who hasn't fought in the UFC in a while, Dmitry. Oh, I mean, Dmitry the Lifeguard Smolyakov. Okay. Well, you know what? You know, I want you know, you know it'd be interesting. Put put up that guy against uh, put up the Hulk and Greg Hardy. You know, I think it, that that's. Oh a, yeah. Huh. You know. Oh yeah, that would be a good fight. I would think. Yeah, that would be a good fight. Everybody says that Greg Hardy's money to see because it would give that Olo Hulk guy beater. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And, uh, so, yeah, you know, I, th I guess they could do that. Um, however, you know, regarding USADA and, uh, PEDs MMA, um, you know, like, you know, we talked about the TJ Dillashaw. I think that was the first time, like, the only time that's where a, a, besides someone named John Jones, the last time I remember a, an active champion, uh, getting busted, uh, getting busted for, uh, failing drug tests was probably Josh Barnett. I, that's the only one I can recall beside um, that's that's a non John Jones um, championship drug fair. Uh, do you know of anybody else from UFC who failed a drug test while champion Christian? Oop, we may have just lost Christian briefly. Uh, but um, so yeah, one of the topics I wanted to also discuss is PEDs and MMA, performance enhancing drugs, and. What happened was that um, there's always this, there's this. It's kind of like a meme almost, in a way, that um, with the way that uh, oh. hey Christian, welcome back. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I know that you were talking about the whole situation with Greg Hardy and the possibility of him fighting Ivan Shertikov, but can you continue what you were trying to say? I kind of caught a little bit of a difficulty on my end. Oh, I just was saying, you know, if they want, you know, that's probably, you know, a, a match to make in Russia, you know, if, 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 if especially because if they, they're going to want to probably build up uh, Shertikov, um, I have to believe that he would probably be debuting on that. Uh, but I actually, I was going to transition into the, uh, since we're talking about the Hulk, and we talked about TJ Dillashaw, that uh, we'd be talking about um, the um, the uh, PEDs and MMA. Oh, yeah, performance enhancers. Yeah. Yeah, we can, we can definitely talk about that, but I just got a question for you about that. Okay. Do you think that when it comes down to... People who are on the USADA suspension list, do you think that when they do end up getting off that suspension list, one way or another, via UFC release or when they get done with the suspension, that eventually they are realizing that their fight careers are going to be over? Well... I think that's a that's a that's a very good question because especially with the, more of the older fighters than the younger ones. Uh, you know, most recently, uh, Fabricio Verdum was uh, flagged for for failing a USADA drug test, and uh, he's gotta be is he in his forties or late thirties? I think he's in his late forties. Okay, um, you know. He's. I think he's. Guess he has an, a a one. Is it a one year retroactive uh, suspension? I think. 
this. Okay, one year. One year is a long time to not be active in in in, in MMA. He can do. I have to, he can do com like jujitsu things. He was supposed to have a jujitsu match, I think, at one of those uh, grappling things. Um, uh, and uh, he can do that, but still, it's not the same. He's still he's still an MMA fighter, and does not actively be fighting, or to be, you know, getting ready for fights is gonna set him back. Um, so I think it definitely hurts the older fighters. Um. And, you know, also with Crow Cop, I think, did, did Crow Cop actually fail a test, or did he admit that he took something that would have made him fail a test? No, he failed the test, but okay. he requested his release from the UFC just so that he can, you know, fight in Ryzen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, there, yeah, there was that, and, um, yeah, I, it certainly hurts the older fighters a lot. Younger fighters, they got time, you know, Joseph Benavidez... Uh, well, actually, you know, it's funny that Joseph Benavidez, he just also retired as well. Um, he had hit, I believe he had, didn't he, uh, recently retire as well at the Volkanovski fight? Oh, Chad Money Mendez, yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm sorry, not Benavidez, um, Matt Mendez, sorry, I'm getting my, I'm getting my Spanish names mixed up. It's okay, it's okay. Yeah, Mendez, I'm Chad sure Mendez. a lot of people get fighters with Latin sounds and names yeah. mixed up. Uh, Chad Mendez failed his test, um, uh, and he was gone for a long time. A long, long time, I feel like. I feel, I feel like it was more than a year. Because also, the other thing is that the suspension lasts, you know, lasts even during, like, the pre... The, like, before it's investigated and all that stuff. So once you get a suspension... It is, you cannot do, even when the investigation is ongoing or not hasn't even begun, uh, or the hearings, you're still, you still cannot actively compete in mixed martial arts. So there, so... Right, right, which is kind of what Filthy Tom Lawler had to go through when he was suspended for two years. Exactly, yeah. And obviously, he went to professional wrestling during that time. Exactly, yeah. Um... So yeah, it definitely it definitely fucks with the older fighters, uh, or the fighters who I guess who have a lot more miles on, on them. You know, if somebody like I'm trying to think who's like a very very young uh, fighter at this point, um, who's in their twenties. If um, I guess if like uh, Yair Rodriguez failed failed a drug test, he it, it, you know he's still young. I think he's he's not even thirty. He could still he still has time to you know to to get back from it. Um, the real young fighters, you know, it's not an issue. The older fighters, you know, it, it clearly fucks them. But, um, the question I have is, what are your thoughts on PEDs? Do you, I, I seem, I'm starting to th feel like every time I go on Twitter, whenever there's a drug failure, I feel like, I feel like it's 50-50 with MMA fans. Some are like, let them all do whatever the, whatever they want. And then others are like, no, there needs to be, very strict drug testing, drug testing like this. If MMA wants to be considered a legitimate sport, so I want to ask you, Christian. If anything, if anything, I think I have to put the blame on entities like USADA and the World Anti-Doping Agency for basically treating these spiders like test subjects, especially when they know that they're taking drugs and obviously that. I mean, it's obvious that they fail. 
I think they're treating these fighters more like test subjects rather than actual human beings to the point where they just, you know, to the, basically what I'm trying to say to the point where they, uh, what am I trying to say? Fuck. Basically, they treat people like test subjects and they basically not giving them any privacy. Well, I think isn't that when they and then when people fail these tests, they expect them to, you know, sign this two-year suspension to say you'll never fight. I mean, to say that you won't fight in the UFC, or if they decide to go somewhere else, people will have to call for their releases. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing as well we have to note is that you know UFC fighters cannot fight in MMA and other promotions. So they they are if. So basically, they're they're basically they're 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 stuck where they are, in terms of mixed martial arts. Um, yeah, the thing unless you can pull, unless you can do what Tom Lawler has done and make a career in another form or fashion. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing is that you know, you bring up a, a good point about USADA in that they're definitely their track record, at least USADA's, is not. Foolproof. There have been cases um, where they have been um, either wrong about failure, uh, a failure, uh, or uh, you know there was a tainted supplement involved. I think that's what happened with Yo Romero, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the welterweight fighters, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, Prove that uh, he did not knowingly take a uh, uh, a taint a, 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 a uh, he did not uh, he did not he did not consciously take uh, PEDs. I'm trying to remember what his name was. Um, was it Johnny B. Greg Hendricks or something? No, 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 no. It wasn't Johnny Hendricks. Um, um, oh, he's a UFC fighter. He remember he uh, Tim Means. Tim Means. Oh, Dirty Bird, tell me. Yeah, I, he got he got flagged. For, I believe it was him who got flagged for a test, and uh, he proved was able to prove that he did not, um, that it was not that there was a supplement that he took. Um, let me double check on that. If that was him. Um, uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. I uh, he uh, uh, it was in 2016, and uh, he um. He was able to prove uh, that he did not, uh, oh, oh, wait, no, it wasn't Tim Means. I don't think it, but my point, okay, my point overall is, was that, um, that, that there is, you know, a lot of these supplements that these fighters take, you know, there's a lot of shit in them that, that, that should not be in those things to begin with. Um. Oh, you mean like estrogen blockers? Estrogen blockers. Um, some of those things have, like, uranium, small amounts, but nonetheless, uranium is a, you don't want to be having uranium inside your body, I don't believe. Right. Um, but, you know, I think, the, I think, the, well, the thing with, 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 with PEDs is that there's always going to be ways for people to try to find a way to take performance-enhancing drugs regardless. And there, there will always be workarounds. And, but I also understand that, you, here's the thing, you just can't have people 
just saying, you can't just have it op op totally open, like, hey, you can take whatever the fuck you want. Because then, you know, now, now you're getting into stuff like, okay, you may start taking illegal drugs. You might start taking, you know, you know, God forbid, like meth or cocaine. Well, actually, I shouldn't say John Jones was doing that, so. Um, but yeah, and he still has a damn job with the UFC. Yeah. Not to mention, he's still the light heavyweight champion. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be the, the Wild West when it comes to PEDs. However, I do, you know. Wait, what, 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 so let's talk about a pride. So, uh, was it? I think it was Ensign Inouye, um, talked about, or like he released a copy of uh, of his uh pride contract that explicitly said that you can take steroids if you'd like to. I think it was Inouye. Huh. It was there was it some. Probably was Ensign Inouye. Um, and uh, yeah, I know. I think it's probably obvious that we know that a lot of people in. Pride were taking PEDs, um, especially when you look at fighters when they when they perform there and then when they performed in other organizations. You could kind of you know they're changing their body. Um, it definitely it definitely raises uh, some questions about what they are on. But I think you know mm -hmm. you know everybody. But also it brings up that oh you know everybody remembers those exciting finishes and fights in Pride, and you know probably. PEDs has something to do with it, you know. And then, you know, when you get to uh, when you get to UFC, which has the comprehensive uh, drug testing, you know, you notice that a lot of people's fighting um, ways that they fight change, and that they're not able. Some fighters, you know, just can't stand and bang anymore, or that they get tired. Kind of like Vitor Belfort. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I suppose well, especially compared his his first UFC run when he was nineteen. And their uh, tournaments. He was an entirely different fighter uh, than after the uh, USADA testing um, came around. Um, so mm -hmm. I can understand why why fans want would say you know let them go on uh, on PEDs. It will make for more exciting fights. I understand that, but also. It's just that I just don't believe you can really have a wild west of where everybody's allowed to take whatever the fuck they want. There has to be some sort of ceiling, because that because here's the as well. This is a pro wrestling. You know, pro wrestling used to have a real big steroid problem, and uh, I remember Opie Anthony WWE changed that shit. especially uh, one of the things that uh used that Opie Anthony used to have was the was the pro wrestler death clock. Uh, so they, there were so many wrestlers, pro wrestlers dying at one point that that they would have this, that they, they had this thing called the pro wrestler death clock where they would receive, they could go 20 day, 21 days without a pro wrestler dying. And for a long time, it never happened. There was just death after death. It was Lance Cade, Luna Bashan, um, Eddie Guerrero. It was just, it was just like every week there was some pro wrestler dying, and no doubt it was connected to performance enhancing drugs, most likely steroids. And Either so, that or the party lifestyle that wrestlers had in the eighties and nineties, or a combination of both. Um, you know, it's funny. Look at look at all those a lot of the old time wrestlers. A lot of the old time wrestlers live to live much longer, uh, or are still living to this day. 
Rio San Martino lived for quite a while. Um, oh, yeah, mostly because of the fact that he was a clean liver. Exactly. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, that's another thing as well. If these, and I know, yes, I know they're adults. They're allowed, you know, they're they're allowed, they're allowed to, I'm actually, no, I'm going to walk back on that. If, if, you know, there has to be a certain limit on what, uh, there has to, there has to be, you have to, you just can't have the Wild West with, 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 with PEDs, I believe. Yeah, there, you know, as it also has to go with MMA being taken seriously as a sport. You know, if MMA wants to be taken seriously, I think there has to be some sort of, of stance uh, on doping. And, you know, the Olympics has theirs. Um, baseball has theirs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the NFL has theirs. Supposedly they, they do. Um, I don't know if the NBA or... And the NBA has theirs is a damn problem. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's just that I don't want it to, you know... Part of the, part of the fun of also fighting is also, you know, knowing that this person's skill is better than their opponent's. And it would be, you know, it would be great to know that, you know, oh, you know, that's, that, you know, it's, 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 I think it's a great, it's great when you hear that, that so-and-so beat so-and-so while they were, while they were on steroids. That makes for such a better, that, that, that brings, that always warms my heart whenever I hear that. Like when, when, I'm trying to think of, when, um, I think it was, um. Uh, well, Mark Hunt, no, no, not Mark Hunt, uh, Chael Sonnen, uh, got beat by, uh, Anderson Silva, and when it was finally later that Sonnen failed the drug test, it was like, oh, that's great, he beat somebody who actually, who, who was trying to cheat. And essentially, you know, you know, here's the thing, when you take PEDs regardless, you know, you are a cheater, unfortunately. And yeah, I know, I know a lot of these older guys, you know, they want to get exemptions for testosterone replacement therapy and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I feel for them, but also, I think that's also a condition of, of just fighting itself, you know. Not everybody has to, has to fight forever. Boss Rutan knew when to retire. Uh, Randy Couture knew yep. when to retire. I mean, look at, look at Chuck Liddell right now. He's a, it's ridiculous that he's still fighting. And you know, same for Tito Ortiz. Exactly. Yeah. If, do you do listen? If if Chuck Liddell was going to fight for another ten years because of testosterone uh, TRT testosterone replacement therapy, testosterone replacement therapy, would that make you happy? I wouldn't make me happy. I'd be very, it'd be very upsetting. You know that he has to basically, he has to basically get injections of testosterone to even. Get into a fight that just is really, it's just really, 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 just like is really depressing. I, I told and if you basically seen the lead up to that Ortiz Liddell three fight, no. you could tell that in Chuck Liddell's promos that he put out that he was basically punch drunk. He basically was slurring his words. Exactly. Yeah. Felt like he didn't even know what place he was in, and when he lost. Ortiz, it was just fucking sad. It was. It was very depressing. Exactly. Kind of of just as depressing as Shinya Aoki defeating Kazushi Sakuraba and how the crowd cried when Sakuraba lost. Yeah. 
Uh, and you know, with the recent retirement of Crow Cop, uh, who had a um, a um, was it a seizure or a stroke? Do you have a seizure or a stroke, Christian? Do you remember exactly? Oh, oh, he had a stroke. A stroke. And you know, let's say for argument's sake that he has that he was taking PEDs. Uh, he he quit UFC so that he could take PEDs to continue fighting. You know, it may not have been. You know, I was I was happy that he had that great rise and run, um, winning the open weight, uh, winning that open weight Grand Prix. He had a great fight with um, with uh, Rocky Martinez. Uh, and we had a great fight with Amir Ali Akbari, exactly. and even King Mo. Exactly. Um, you know, and you know, let's assume that PEDs was the reason why he was able to continue the, those fights. Was it in the in the long term? Was that really the best thing for him? I don't know. No, I... it probably wasn't because I mean he probably. I don't know what the hell they do out in Connecticut with the with the Uncas scale tribe. I mean, with the Mohegan tribe or whatever. But I mean, if he were getting tested in some other state, like say California, for that fight against Roy Nelson, he probably would have failed that. Probably. In addition to retirement, yeah, he would have been never made to fight again. What do you? So, what do you think about PEDs and MMA? Do you think that they? That how do you think should there be uh, drug testing? Do you think that there should be that they should you just let them all go on steroids? What do you think, Christian? I think when it comes down to I mean I do blame USADA and the World Anti-Doping Agency for basically treating these fighters like test subjects, but I think that the athletic commissions ain't really doing much of a thing when it comes down to some of these fighters. And their habits. I mean, let's face it, even though we don't know much about the Mohegan Tribe Department of Athletics, <laughs> they probably have a stricter policy on drugs than some of these other state commissions do, like the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation and Combative Sports Program and how they hid document records after the down to 5,000 Kimbo fight or the Nevada State Athletic Commission or the California State Athletic Commission when it came down to some of these UFC fights that happened in their state. Yeah, um, and yeah, I see, I, you know, I, I have actually, you know, I have noticed this as well. It seems that a lot more J Japanese MMA fans seem to be open towards allowing just let them take whatever they want. Let them take the steroids. Let them take the Osterine. Let them take Tyrannoball. Let them take whatever whatever they want. And, you know, I that seems to be the impression I, I get. At least from what I read on Twitter. Um, I do, you know, if that, but, you know, and that, that all, that does bring up the question, though, but if, like, if MMA wants to be taken seriously as a sport, Will, will will allowing PED not punishing PED users, uh, like let's be honest, you know the whole John Jones picogram thing is incredibly embarrassing for MMA. The fact that he's basically given a blanket, a blanket get out of jail free card to uh, to basically take whatever he wants, you know, um, and also you know that's and you you also bring up Usada is that you know. Clearly, you know, there is favoritism with USADA. 
Um, and you know, they release who they who they test and how many times they test them. And there are some fighters that are like, okay, like you've tested Demetrius Johnson like ten times within one month, but you've only tested Paulo Costa once. There's something, you know, there's definitely... Yeah, that is kind of crazy. There's no consistency with, with like, with how or, or, or why they go with their random drug testing. It seems to be almost, like... And I'm not saying that, like, Demetrius Johnson should be giving any preferential treatment because, you know, because he's he's passed a bunch of tests. He's, uh, he's passed uh, a bunch of tests. But, you know, when you're looking at Paulo Costa and you look at Demetrius Johnson... You kind of figure one has more of a likely chance to fail than another. I would say. Mm-hmm. Exactly, considering the obvious, you know, size difference between somebody like Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and somebody like Pablo Bolachita de Costa. Yeah, it's it's just you know yeah I I don't I don't agree with with the MMA fans who want their who just want. Who thinks it should be an open west of whatever the fuck you want to take? There's gotta be some. There has to be some sort of regulation on it. Now, if we want to get into the marijuana debate, because that's also considered a PDD with uh with the commissions. Um, I don't know. Do you have a different idea on on that? Uh, with marijuana use. Well, even in states that do legalize marijuana, I mean, like the entire top part of the West Coast. I mean, there's still got to be some regulations to that when it comes down to athletic use. Oh, exactly, yeah. Um, I think that, um, try, uh, I, I, I think that Florida now, the Florida Athletic Commission is not going to be as... Yeah, Florida State Boxing Commission, yeah, right? Yeah, um, now I know that Florida is always... It's always an outlier when it comes to a lot of things. Um, in, uh, in, in... Uh, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure they stand their ground on a lot of things. Yeah, um, but also you have you ha- you have um, yeah you can probably speak for yourself. You know the Texas uh, Athletic Commission seems is very strict on marijuana use. Um, but- oh yeah, when it comes down to my state, the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation don't really screw around when it comes down to. Weed regulations or drug use in the combative sport program. I think it was a Sylvia uh, Cynthia Carvalho or uh, Jessica I who failed the test there uh, for marijuana or some sort of uh, recreational drug. I think it was Carvalho. Okay. Um. I think you know that's a, that's another thing as 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 well is that you know even though states may legalize um cannabis use. That doesn't mean necessarily the commissions will allow it as well. Um, I think though, I think I think I would be I would be willing to hear more of a what let's let let there not be a strict punishment or at least you know a certain amount of usage for mar- for cannabis use could be could be done. Um, uh, but of course you know commission the commit. Uh, Commission wise is gonna be like it's gonna be all over the board. Texas Commission probably would never legalize it, would never allow it. You know, California permit would would absolutely probably. Uh, so it's like that's gonna be like that's all gonna be commission based. Um 
and that'll 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 probably that'll probably likely never be solved, and 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 within the next ten years, I think uh, cannabis use in MMA. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, that's that's PED talking MMA. Um, there's actually someone else who I want to talk about. Um, not related to PED use, but who was who is a has a connection to uh, Mirko Krokop. Um, his protege. Ante... Let me guess. Yes? Let me guess. He's just now signed with the PFL, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. Ante D'Elia, uh, is, uh, who is Krokop's... Rock in trouble. Uh, yep, who is Krokop's protege, has now signed with the PFL. Uh, he had one fight in Ryzen, a, uh, pretty terrible fight against, uh, uh, the Ricardo Prasel, I believe it was. Um... Uh, yeah, Ricardo the Viking Parcel. Uh, a, a ginger Brazilian. Um, if I remember, you, I think, I think he was ginger, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty boring fight. He basically, it was basically him just laying on top of Parcel for, uh, for, for three rounds. And, uh, but, you know... What do you think? What do you think about him going to PFL? Uh, this seems to be another, uh, another, you know, six degrees of separation with fighters from PFL going to Ryzen, or in this case, Ryzen going to PFL. So, what do you think about him going to PFL, going to their heavyweight uh, division for their uh, tournament? Well, to be honest, as long as there's not fighters like Hikaru Placel that ends up. Fighting in the PFL, I think that Delita's going to have a easy time giving everybody a reason why he's known as Rock in Trouble because, of course, you would know that he won most of his fights via knockouts. He's yeah. obviously a protege of Miracle Coca, and he's going to want to come in that fight league and do some damage and, you know, fight for a million dollars. So. Yeah. You know, I guess it'll only be a matter of time before we can see what we, what we can see what he can do when the season begins on May 9th. So, you know, it might not be that much longer of a amount of time just to see him do work. And it's actually funny that you bring now, up that he felt that he finished that he knocked out. He uh, has all knockouts except for his one rise in fights, which did not end in a knockout. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, actually, I take that back. I take that back. The audience, the after that fight, I think the audience got knocked out. From they fell asleep. Oh right, of course. But still, I think when it comes down to PFL fighters fighting in Ryzen, they need to probably make sure that they're not going to qualify for the quote unquote playoffs. Yeah. That's going to happen in October. I think though. I think this basically. Sorry, go ahead, Christian. Because I think more fighters that aren't going to be seen as playoff quality fighters in the PFL, they're going to want to flock to promotions like Ryzen just to, you know, get their comeuppance. I, I think that basically, this also basically confirms that Ante D'Elia is probably not going to fight in Ryzen again. That's why I have to believe. If he's take if he's going for going on this tournament, which, you know, presuming he wins, that can stretch out for the entire year. I think, I have to believe that he's probably not coming back to Ryzen. I, I don't think he... I think he's probably that one fight he had. It was not an exciting fight, and I think that was maybe his just his his one time there. I think I could be entirely wrong, but that's at least the uh, that's at least the idea I'm getting from uh, the fact that we never saw him fight again. Um, 
And, uh, you know, with Crow Cop retiring also, um, it's, uh, I think, I, yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's PFL bound, or at least, you know, if he wins, you know, he'll definitely, uh, be in the, in the PFL season three, but I don't think we'll see him in Ryzen ever again. Do you think I could be wrong on that, or do you think, uh, what do you think about that? Hey, you might not be wrong, but if he ends up not qualifying for the PFL playoffs, I think you might be. Uh, and with the fact that Krokoff retirement, I mean, Krokoff retiring and him passing the torch to Delipa and Satoshi Ishii, who has been training under Krokoff recently, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, I wouldn't be surprised if Krokoff's legacy is left in good hands. So to speak. Okay, well, you know, I'm always happy to give fighters another chance. You know, he didn't excite in his first Ryzen fight, but is you know he always has the opportunity to uh, to fight again. And you know, you know, we'll see how he does in PFL. If he gets, you know, if he loses in PFL, you know, I don't know, he may not be the uh, hot prospect that a lot of that he was maybe pictured to be. I don't think. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, we uh, look forward to seeing Ante Delia on. Uh, on uh, your ESPN, uh, that's the thing now. PFL is now on ESPN. Um, ES- uh, yeah, PFL is going to be on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes in Espanol after prelims on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah. Um, Which means when it comes down to the New Year's Eve card, that's going to push Ariel Hawaii's MMA Knows Award show up a week. Exactly. To like the first week in January mm-hmm. after football season is over. Uh, so I did. I enjoyed PFL season one. I think that their idea is that I thought it was a great format. I love tournaments. I love Grand Prix. They had a few kinks that they had to work out, especially with doing dealing with the New York Commission, uh, New York State Commission, uh, regarding weight uh, disparities and all that stuff that caused a lot of the cars to be some of the cars to be changed and fights. Um, they still need to work out some of those kinks, but hopefully season two, um, hopefully that means that, uh, you know, that they can fix those and, you know, we'll get some exciting fights, uh, cause they do reward fires based on finishes. And so, you know, that's, it's always good. You know, I, all the fires I talked to said that they were treated well, they were paid, compensated very well. Uh, so hopefully, you know, PFL can continue that and especially getting on P- ESPN, you know, that's a bigger, uh bigger platform than uh NBC Sports Network or whatever they were on originally. Um mm-hmm. so hope- they were on NBC Sportsnet for like six years, dating back to their days as WSOF. Yeah. And I know WSOF was was a big mess and all that stuff, so uh but uh, PFL- yeah, especially with a Lee of Del no, uh, 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 I know, I know, I know. You hate the motherfucker. Mike, Mike Russell, Mike Russell just entered into the uh, into the uh, podcast chat. Um, okay. Oh, you know Mike. You know Mike Russell, the M- the MMA reporter. He's the one. He's the one who uh, who who's, who writes about uh, all the uh, Ali's uh, Ali's uh, Chaliche escapades, escapades, uh, notorious past, uh, notorious past dealings with uh, dictators in uh, in the Russian areas. 
uh, and uh, basically being I almost like uh, like a kingpin. I guess you could compare him to kingpin uh, when it comes to being an MMA manager. Right, right, right. Um, I, I uh, Mike Russell writes about him, and so does um uh oh uh, the uh, the other guy. I'm forgetting what his name. Um, Kareem Zidane. Kareem Zidane, yeah. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, so, hopefully, hopefully not a lot of Ali, hopefully not a lot of Ali, the, this season, um, yeah, hopefully not, <laughs> uh, but, uh, also, uh, I want to talk about, uh, a little bit about Z. so, I know that we're an MMA podcast, but people have to understand that MMA and pro wrestling have a very well-connected history, going back to... Uh-huh. Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Noki, and then follow, following up with that was the UWFI, which was a Japanese shoot style catch wrestling based promotion, and then that that offshot offshoot that was Pancreas, uh, which has had MMA matches and also pro wrestling matches that were work shoot style. Um, we I will be going to the. Game Changer Wrestling Blood Sports Show during WrestleMania weekend. Oh, this is Josh Barnett's Game Ch- uh, Blood Sports Show, I might add. And and that's going to be at the White Eagle Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey. Yep, right? in, in, in shitty Jersey, yes. And they just announced the main event to be Josh Barnett versus Minoru Suzuki. I think that, I believe this... Wow. Ha- I think it's a first-time matchup. I don't know if they've ever had a match or even a tag match when uh, Josh Barnett was in New Japan, but that this is, it, to me, like this is it is the show for like if you're an MMA fan, you hate wrestling, you don't like pro wrestling. This is probably the show you would want to watch because I think it would it's it's the type of wrestling where there's no there's gonna be no flippy shit, there's gonna be no you know. No, there's gonna be no nothing outrageous. There's gonna be nothing that's gonna be ludicrous. It's gonna be very grappling style, uh, a grappling style based promotion uh, matches, um, and you know they they also have a bunch of other uh, people who have grappling uh, backgrounds. They have uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr., the son of the British Bulldog, who is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, and May have fought amateur MMA, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, well, actually, the only time I've seen him do any type of MMA was at a great Northwest, a great North wrestling show that happened in, I think, Alberta or something, where they were doing all of their fights. I mean, all of their wrestling matches in an MMA cage. Oh, I that's, have to send that to you off the air. That's interesting. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, that's that's a very interesting. Um. But um, I know he. Th- there are some videos of him giving like seminars on uh, on uh, jujitsu and catch wrestling moves. Um, try- Dominic G- Garini, he's a he's a purple belt in jujitsu, uh, turned pro wrestler. Um, uh, uh, Timothy Thatcher, who's trained in catch wrestling, which is basically the heart of what Josh Barnett. Hideki Suzuki or uh, Minoru Suzuki are all trained in from uh, Billy Robinson. Um, Billy Robinson. Billy Robinson, yes, yes. Uh, and um, 
Oh, and uh, don't forget, don't forget every New York fan. I mean, every New Yorker's favorite fighter is going to be on that fight card too. Oh, exactly. You know who I'm talking? Um, Tom Waller. Come on, dude. You don't know who the New York badass Phil Barone. Oh, Phil Barone. Yes, yes, I forgot. Phil Barone is going to be on the card. Um. And uh, oh, but and speaking of Phil Baroni, uh, I my heart goes out to him because I don't know if you heard his house burned down. Um, oh damn! And also, his dog was killed when when his house burned down. I'm not so sure how it happened, but you know he was outside his house, so I can't believe he was doing something you know stupid like smoking inside his house or something like that. Um, I don't know how it happened. But regardless, you know, I hope he can uh, hope he comes back from that. It's a really shitty thing to happen, um, especially because he Indeed. lost his dog. Um, but, uh, yeah, Phil Baroni will be there. Tom Waller, filthy Tom Waller will be on the card. Um, and, uh, other... Uh, yes, and he's going to have a pretty busy weekend because he's going to be defending the MLW Heavyweight Championship of the World at that Battle Riot show. Exactly, yeah. At night. Exactly. Um, and then we got some other pro wrestlers on the card, like Jonathan Gresham, who's a wrestler for Ring of Honor, Killer Cross, who's with, uh, Impact... Um, Andy Williams, um, and, uh, Masashi Takeda. Well, actually, Andy Williams is a musician from the band Every Time I Die. Oh, okay, okay, that Andy Williams, okay. But the, uh, the Andy Williams that we are talking about this time is a pro wrestler. So, but yes, also Andy Williams is also a, uh, a, uh, professional singer. And, uh, Masashi Takeda, who's a deathmatch wrestler from Japan. So, and he's also a mixed martial artist, too. Oh, yes, yes. Oh. As weird as that seems, by no, the way. Eh, I don't entirely think that's weird. You know, so many of those fire, you know, so many of those Japanese guys have, like, they they have, they all have, like, some sort of martial arts background in, in some sort of way. Because, you know, they do teach judo in high school, um, in Japanese high schools. Um, oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, they actually teach actual real things that, 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 that actually you can apply to real life in, in, uh, in Japanese uh, uh, phys ed. Um, yeah. Oh, right. Like how to do a judo hip toss to stop a burglary. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Masashi Takeda, his, uh, he, his martial arts record, he's got 11 wins, 4 losses, 1 draw. Um, I don't see who's, wow. I don't see who he's fought here. Um, but it, this, that's on his Wikipedia. Um, I don't know if it's Sure Dog or um, uh, the you other. You can go to Tapology and search for that. Oh, let's see Tapology. Let's see what uh, Sashi Takeda has. Oh yeah, and also what was an um, uh, 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 what was also announced was that Josh Barnett and uh, Hideki Suzuki, uh, uh, wrestler for Big Japan Pro Wrestling, who's also got a catch wrestling shoot style background will be giving a seminar on catch wrestling the day of uh, the day before the show are you going to be going out to that or are I'm, you going to be waiting for the show uh i might go to that uh oh actually just to go back to takeda um he, he's fought in deep before actually he actually has uh he's one and one in deep but most of his fights have been through the uh, ZST promotion, which also had a uh, former New Japan pro wrestler, Kushida, uh, in their uh, roster. Mm -hmm. um, and pretty soon he's going to be debuting in NXT. 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, Takeda had his most recent match was actually in 2015, uh, at the ZST uh, 13th anniversary show, where he won the uh, match by uh, armbar in the first round. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, that pro I'm looking at these records. You know, these people obviously aren't. You know. You know, these aren't the most high-ranking MMA guys, uh, you, you could say. But nonetheless, you know, still... They're not game competition, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign to uh, to uh, a, a top promotion, probably, at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, this this this, this um, seminar they're doing, I might consider it. The only the only thing that's going to hold me back is that I'm, I got invited to an advanced screening of the new Pet Cemetery movie that same day. In New York City, and oh, wow. I don't. I'm not gonna lie. I want to see that Pet Cemetery movie because I want to see if it's if it's how horrible it's gonna be or how good it's gonna be because it's gonna be one or the other. I love the original so much. I love that the 1980s version with um with uh Fred Wynn and um oh god, I'm forgetting the main actor uh, who played the father. Um, oh god, I can't remember his name, but it's a it's such a good movie, the original, and um. I definitely would be intrigued to see how the remake, how the remake does. So that's the only that would be the only cost. That would be the only reason why I would uh, miss that. That whole week I'm taking off for WrestleMania weekend, just seeing a bunch of of shows. Um, and Bloodsport will be one of the ones I will go to uh, live, um, and we'll definitely be covering it on this show because um, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a fantastic show. Are you going to check it out, Christian? I'm going to go out of my way to try and check out Josh Barnett's Bloodsport because it's going to be on the Fight TV app. Oh, yes, yes, that's as well. The show is sold out, um, so uh, no tickets are available, but you can watch it on the uh, Fight TV app, um, which hopefully you can go ahead and, uh, you know, I think it's like only fourteen ninety nine or something. It's a very, very low price, and it's a... It'll probably, it'll probably. Yeah, but it's also a part of a collective of shows that's gonna feature Stardom, yeah. DDT, Kaiju Big Battle, and other top promotions, especially Game Changer Wrestling and Evolve. Yeah, I think a lot of those, I think a lot of the promotions are skippable. I, I saw a, that collection package, and I'm just like, ugh, those, those don't need to be a part of the package. But Bloodsport prop, that was my favorite show last year from WrestleMania weekend. And this will pro I, I'm predicting that this will probably again be my um, be my favorite as well. They haven't released a full card though, unfortunately. They've only released a few matches. Um, so yeah, Josh Barnett versus Minoru Suzuki in the main event. Uh, Hideki Suzuki versus Timothy Thatcher. Uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. versus Killer Cross. And I think that's all that's been released as of now. Um, well, I think there's one match: Jr. Kratos versus Simon Gotch. Oh yes, oh yes, yes. That's the other one. Yeah, Jr. Kratos. Yes, um, very, it's a very, very unique name. Uh, uh -huh. and Simon Gotch has a legitimate like catch wrestling background. Yeah, Simon. Oh no, yeah. Well, uh, Simon Gotch now known as Simon. I think he goes by Simon Grimm. On the indies? Yeah, G-R-I-M-M. Yeah, I, I know that he uh, he uh, has... I'm trying to remember who trained... who how, Where he trained at tournament that catch wrestling, but I definitely... that was I think that was the reason why he got the nickname Gotch, or he got the name Gotch in WWE, because he had, like, 
that cash wrestling background that that people like George Hackenschmitz, uh, Carl Gotch, and others had. So I think that's why he got that nickname, if I remember correctly. Um, uh -huh. That I should say nickname that WWE, uh, the WWE uh, NXT name. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, you know, hopefully next weekend, you know, like we can def like if they have a full card, which I'm hoping they do. If they don't, you know, we'll just have to make do of like what what what. What we can, but I think next weekend we can definitely do a full week, a full preview of the card, uh, if you want to, Christian. Yeah, we can. I mean, if you want to. Oh, absolutely, I would. Absolutely, I would. I think it's, I think it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a great show, and I also just, I think a lot of MMA fans will be able to enjoy it. They'll be able, to, you know, yeah. it won't be your typical flippy shit, no selling, pro wrestling shit that's like really infesting. Um, the indies right now. Uh, that I, you know, there's a, there's there's a, there's a places for that. There's places for flippy shit. There's places for for dives. Problem is that it's in every promotion, and it's almost telegraphed to the point of like, you know, where it's no longer special to see like a dive or you know a tope or anything of that sort. Um, it just it's it's no longer as special, um, in my uh -huh. personal opinion. Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we, we could definitely do a, uh, a covering that, that, uh, that full show. We'll de definitely have a review of it. Um, but, uh, right now I wanted to get also into, uh, actually, I just also wanted to give a shout out to somebody else. Uh, just briefly, I just uh, thought of it right now was also, uh, there's a JMMA fighter who just recently announced his retirement. Um, Jushin. Thunder Liger, now pro wrestler. Well, for, uh, well, oh, the, yeah. The dude's been a pro wrestler since 1984. Has had the Jushin Thunder Liger gimmick since 1989. And he's going to be retiring at the start of 2020. Obviously, at the Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, at the Wrestle Kingdom 14 shows that's going to be taking place January 4th and 5th of next year. Yes, and you know, it's all you know. He does have a connection to JMMA. He does. He had one MMA match in his uh, one one MMA match in pan Pancreas. And did you ever see his MMA fight, uh, Christian? Yes, I've seen that one MMA fight he had with Minoru Suzuki. That was actually a fun rarity. Yes, yeah, and uh, it was Minoru Suzuki's last MMA match and Jushin Thunder Liger's only MMA match. And he wore a mask. He wore a modified. He, uh, for those that don't know, he is, he has a very, I guess you could compare it to like a Power Rangers type outfit that he wears, and, it, and his mask has horns on it. It's based on an anime character, the, uh, uh, what, is it the, is it, what's the name of the anime, do you know the name of the anime that's that his character is based on? Jushin Liger. Oh, okay, <laughs> Jushin Liger. So, uh, yeah, there, uh, so he basically wears a costume of that character, and for the, for, so this MMA match, he wore... He wore uh, shorts, and he wore basically a mask, but without the horns. It was basically, if you ever seen Alberto Del Rio in his MMA matches in Pride, uh, that's what he basically uh, wore, uh, or he was known as Dos Caras Jr. When he, was in the, when he was doing those matches. He basically wore that type of mask. Um, right, right. And it was not a long match. It was, I think it was maybe two minutes at most. Uh, Liger tried for a, a, a rolling... A, a rolling capo kick 
But uh, Suzuki obviously recognized that, was able to uh, get into side control, mount, and then took his back and choked him out. Nonetheless, though, Weiger has an MMA match under his under his record, and you know, as somebody who's been a fan of him for a long time, you know, you kind of, Weiger's always been just synonymous with pro wrestling. He's always been around, so it's kind of like it's. I'm actually kind of glad that you know. I'm happy he's retiring kind of on his own terms. That's not an injury. That it's nothing. You know, it's he's going out the way he wants to, and it's like it's really like a happy ending that like. You know, he's had this long 30-plus year career in pro wrestling. And he gets to have a, a a storybook ending, you know, at the Tokyo Dome next year uh, in 2020. Um, and hopefully he'll be at Madison Square Garden as well um, for the that Ring of Honor uh, New Japan card. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to give a little shout-out to uh, Liger. Anything you want to say about uh, Liger yourself, uh, Christian? Hey, all I'm going to say is that with the exception of the second run that he had in WCW, which was obviously thwarted by Juventud Guerrero and Psychosis when I think Psychosis, no, I think Juventud Guerrero became the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champ, and they didn't reckon, New Japan didn't recognize it for a long, long time. I think Liger is going to be a bona fide legend if he ain't already. As a matter of fact, he is a legend. But I think that he's going to be a bona fide legend in many people's hearts. And when that time comes on January 4th and 5th of 2020, he's going to probably get a grand send-off. I hope he does. I, I He will. He absolutely will. He, he'll he absolutely get a, a big send-off. New Japan gives their, their long-time wrestlers big send-offs. Uh, memorable send-offs. Um, but yeah, I just want to touch on, on the Liger, um, on the Liger retirement. But, uh, I think, uh, we should go into the main event now, Christian. Um, we had three, as we mentioned before at the beginning, we had three MMA shows, uh, three combat sports shows that all were within the span of one, of one weekend in Japan. And, uh, those were Deep, uh, Rise, uh, and K1. Uh, do you remember what, what was the name of the Deep Show, Christian? Did, uh, what was it? it was actually a combination show. It was, I think, Deep Jewels 23 yes. and Deep 88 Thim Pack. Okay. And then the Rise, uh, it was the first It was the first round of uh, their kickboxing tournament for, uh, was it 60 kilograms and... Um, 61 kilograms and 58 kilograms. Okay. Uh, for those that want to do the conversion, that's uh, 135 pounds and 125, something along those lines? Phantom weight? 130, actually. Oh, okay. That's what 58 kilograms is, 130 pounds. Okay. And, uh, okay. And um, K1 Festa had their... Um, so, well, I, first I got to know, people are saying that this show was running for like 12 hours. Is that true? That this show like started like at noon Japan time and was going for like an absurd amount of long time? From what I heard, yes. But considering the fact that both the Rise and K1 events happened during daylight savings time in the U.S. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty crazy night. 
the event probably ran 11 hours. Oh, I mean, the God. K-1 event ran 11 hours here I, in the States. Because, you see, what happened was that I heard the K-1 show that, like, a lot of the fights were not going to finishes. And so that's why this show was running longer as opposed to the Rise show, which started off with, with all finishes. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's funny. I was watching... It ended off with all finishes. Yeah. Um... It's uh, I was wa- I was watching uh list watch uh, just following people on Twitter and there are people wa- you know the problem with uh, K one is that you can't watch it outside Japan legally I'll say you have to do you have some a Bima you have to go on Bima TV or something and all that stuff use a VPN um just it's a very complicated thing Rise had their show on Fight TV which you could easily just purchase and um, then Deep had their show available on YouTube. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great night for, uh, J, for J combat sports. Uh, if, if you, uh, if that's your thing. Uh, but, uh, the deep card was a very, I didn't, I saw some of it, but probably no, you know, Con, uh, Con had a match. Uh, King Reyna had a match during the Jeep Jules portion. They both won their matches. Um, Oh yeah, especially King Rayner who basically beat her opponent Mao Ueda in like twenty four seconds. Yeah, and uh, also I think uh, didn't kind of Watanabe have a fight as well on that uh, same card? Because I th- I think she also yeah, she yeah that's what I thought okay and she also uh, won that match as well so she still continues to be undefeated in MMA. Um... And, uh, so, like, if you, and also, regarding the, the main deep card, um, two of the matches that, uh, that I was paying attention to were, uh, were the deep open weight match, which was between Rocky Martinez, the current, uh, open, uh, well, sorry, they don't call him open weight champion. What do they call They call him the Megaton champion. Megaton championship. Uh, yes, that's right. The Megaton title. And, uh, we, uh, when uh, Zach was on here, we we were all t- we were, we all talked about the car. And we all basically came to the conclusion that Rocky Martinez would defeat his opponent Ryo Sakai, and that's basically what happened. And that oh yeah, he basically punished Ryo Sakai. Like he owed him money. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. yeah, so basically, uh, yeah, that, there was no surprise in that match. But the match that a lot of people were paying attention to was the main event. And that main event was, I'll, I'll let you take over this, Christian, because uh, I got to take a drink of water. Oh, yes. The main event of that contest was UWF USA representative and trainee, the Mongoose, Victor Henry, upsetting Deep Bantamweight champion Yuki Motoya to become the new Deep Bantamweight champion. But the thing about that fight was, they're saying that Henry dominated the first two rounds. But in that third round, he basically got beat. He basically got his ass handed to him. I literally thought he was going to lose several times in that fight. At the, I mean, in the third round. I literally thought he was going to lose. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I read the results of the match. Um, I haven't had, actually had a chance to watch it. Um, it's fair to say, I picked Yuki Matoya to win. And here's the thing, I don't regret picking Matoya to win. There's a, Yuki Matoya... Uh, if you has one of the most incredible records in mixed martial arts right now, um, 
If it, he's his, his the only person who's defeated him before Victor Henry that defeated him at all uh, in, in any recent match was Kyoji Horiguchi. And if you want to even go further than that, the last time he lost was in 2013, uh, which was a decision lost uh, to uh, Tetsumitsu Wada. But other than that, he's only he hasn't he he's only lost he lost to Kyoji Horiguchi, who we've who's already the top bantamweight in the world, and so. Considering that, like going into this fight, that uh, that if the Tapology people had uh, had Yuki Matoya, I think it was ninety nine percent of them picking him over Victor Henry, and that's not what. Basically, Henry was seen as the underdog. Absolutely, like if you were a betting man, your money should have been on uh, should have been on 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 Victor Henry because you would have made a lot of money, and that's you know. It's not an insult to, to say that Victor Henry was the underdog. It's just going by, like, what Yuki Matoya has done in MMA. And also, you know, he recently, he had the, the leg scissors choke, TP choke, to uh, to Justin Scoggins at the Ryzen 14 show. So this guy, he, he's been on an incredible run. And for him to get defeated by, by Victor Henry, basically coming in there and spoiling the party, uh, the Yuki Matoya run, you know, Victor Henry, you know, hats off to him. Um, I did see the third round that people, you know, basically, yeah, Matoya did dominate him and almost finished him with a rear naked choke, I think it was. But uh, Victor Henry managed to escape it and survive the round. Um, but, so here's the thing. Did you get a chance to watch the match, um, Christian? Yeah, I did watch the match. I did watch the, as a matter of fact, I did watch the entire fight card all the way through. But it was crazy to me that, you know, Victor Henry ended up taking that ass kicking in the third round, but still managed to do enough damage in the first two rounds to win that fight and that title. Oh, exactly. Um, and, uh, well, here's the question I have. So, Victor Henry is now the is now the Bantamweight champion of deep. And so, I think the idea was that oh, I th what I was told by 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 sources um was that they that Yuki Matoya w w would most likely win this match he would then go on to either fight the winner of Okazaki and Kai Azakura or he would get a a match against uh Kyoji Horiguchi with Kyoji getting the winner of of Sasaki and uh Azakura which is coming up on the Rise in 15 card where so where does this put Victor Henry now in the discussion of bringing him to Ryzen, possibly fighting, you know, the winner of of Oka Suzaki and Kai Zakura, or and or and then pay, maybe or even fighting Kyoji Horiguchi. Does does Victor Henry get into that discussion now? Yes, he definitely gets into that discussion now. But not only would it probably mean Victor Henry will end up fighting for Ryzen soon, it'll probably mean that we'll be one step close to Josh Barnett fighting in Ryzen. Oh, yes. Oh, that's another thing as well that we about to mention. Uh, he is part of uh, Josh Barnett's uh, training team, which also uh, Lisa Garcia's there. Uh, so, yeah, it's very uh, a very strong connection to Ryzen um, that, uh, that, uh, that, that the catch wrestling UWF uh, uh, team has. Actually, I just want to say this as well, just uh, not to get a little bit off topic, but I'm also looking at uh, the, uh, Yuki Matoya's 2018 record. He had five fights, 
and all and four of the five fights were finishes, and uh, they were also title defenses for his I uh, I'm I believe for his deep bandweight championship. So you know if you also want to make a case of him being fighter of the year of 2018, he has a better cha- a better uh, argument than some of those other people that we listed off. I think, but I digress. I just wanted to to point that out. Um, so, but yeah, I think Victor Henry absolutely gets into the discussion of uh, of maybe coming to Ryzen, getting into that bantamweight division, uh, facing you know maybe facing Kyoji Horiguchi or at least the winner of um, Oka Suzaki and Kai Sakura. But also, here's a question I gotta ask as well: Given Yuki Matoya's, uh, how long? How long did he have that championship for? He must have had it for a long time. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I don't know when, uh, I mean, I don't know how long exactly he held that title, but he held that belt for a while. So, probably at least a year or two, I'm guessing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, does he get, should he get a rematch for the title against uh, Victor Henry in deep? Oh, it's no doubt he will get a rematch, obviously. But how, how should it be an immediate rematch, or do you think there he needs to beat somebody to uh, to get to uh, get a rematch with Victor Henry? I think it'll probably be an immediate rematch because of the fact that you know he fought his ass off when it came down to Victor Henry, but obviously he felt that he got wronged. So I think that it will. I think that he will end up getting an immediate rematch. And let's say that Yuki Matoya does defeat Victor Henry again. Should we then? Is there a do you think a rubber match would be uh would be a good match to have? Probably so. So yeah, you know, so um, if anybody wants to check out the uh, full fight card for uh, that that uh, the Deep show, uh, it is available on their YouTube channel. I think it's called like Deep Office or official Deep Office or something. That's the name of their it YouTube. Is deep office, I think. Yeah, and the full card is there. I think I believe it was a single cam show. Um, I I think they only used they had one hard camera and there's no commentary if I remember correctly. Um. Well, actually, it was one hard camera, but they did have commentary. Oh, they... even King Rayner was on commentary at one point. Oh, okay, I stand corrected. Uh, cause usually when I've watched their, uh, their hard, their one, their only one hard cam shows, there's usually no commentary. Um, uh, also I know that there is, there was, there was worry that them being on YouTube, they might take out the fire's entrances or mute them. I don't believe they, they've done that as of now. I think that the fire's entrances, uh, with the full music are still there. Actually, they did mute the fighter entrances for the blue corner fighter, but the red corner fighter, they just talked over it. Oh, well, that's. That's odd. Okay. Um, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I find that very strange. Like they mute one side but not the other. Okay. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, give it. Uh, I'm gonna try to check out the show or at least the the co-main and the main event. And uh, how about those? Are the jewels fights on there as well? Or is it just the the deep show, the, the deep impact card? It's just the deep impact card. Oh, okay. Okay, that sucks. But uh, uh. I, I don't know. Is there any way to see Deep Jewels, or is that just they just don't they don't those don't make tape? Um, I think there's bits and pieces of, put, of people putting the stuff out on, you know, Twitter and stuff. Okay, I got gotcha. you. 
Oh yeah, you could you know you could see the the from Caposa uh, or Cerebral Vigilante or you know you could see the the, the regular JMMA stalwarts. They'll have those um they'll have those uh those those gifts of 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 memorable parts of the fight and finishes and all that stuff for the deep jewels um matches. Um, but uh, let's let's move on to the K one card. Uh, Christian, did you happen to get a chance to see this the K one Festa card? No, I didn't because I was too preoccupied with the Rise card, to be honest with you. Even though I know K1 put out a stream on Twitter via Periscope. Ah, and yes. I did say that for the Focus Fights account so that I can see it later, but still, I was too preoccupied when it originally aired because I was too busy caring about the Rise card. Ah, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I do have to stand corrected that that. that they did put it, they did make it available to international audiences, but normally K one shows you cannot see them legally uh, outside Japan without a uh, a VPN to uh, get around their Bima TV thing or whatever it is. Um, so uh, they did do that, and I know yeah there were people that were watching like side by side Rise and uh, K one, which were going on at the same time. Um, but K one, which is a kickboxing organization for people that don't know, they had a they had their Festa card. Uh, I think this is uh was this Festa two that they had? Yeah, this was K Festa two. Okay, which is uh what, what what is it kind of like? Is it kind of like their uh their big show of the year? Uh-huh. Uh huh. yeah. So it, it's they had uh they had a whole bunch of people recognizable kickboxers. They had um. Uh, Minoru Kimura, who you might remember from Ryzen. Um, well, I should say, uh, he didn't, he, he got memorably knocked out in Ryzen by Charles Felony Bennett in, uh, I think it was seven seconds. Yep. Um, that was the quickest paycheck Bennett has ever earned in his life, and yep. also his last win. Exactly. Um, so yeah, they had him, uh, they had, of course, the famous, uh, uh, Takaru Sagawa, who was in the main event. Um, is there anybody else that was on the card that uh, that has a memorable name that you know of offhand, Christian? Uh, to be honest, no. I mean, other than Hisaki Kato, I know that he was on the card as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got the card right up here right now. Let's see. They had an undercard. Um, let's see, they had four fights on the card, and the main card they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. They had nineteen matches total. Holy shit. Um, I know. That's why, no wonder it lasted uh, eleven hours, twelve hours of the show, and the sh they were not going to uh, finishes. Uh, but yeah, um, Let's see what other names I recognize. Um, Hirotaka Yurabe, I've heard of. Uh, Yuta Kubo, uh -huh. I've heard of him. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I, you know, these are names that you see a lot. Oh, Cozy, I know who that is. Uh, you recognize, if you follow kickboxing, you know who all these people are. Uh, so... These are these are well-known kickboxers in the kick uh, in the kickboxing world, and um, but w the thing I want to focus on is uh, is Takaru once again. 
uh, winning in the main event. And uh, it was a catchweight bout, 59 kilograms. Uh, Takaru uh, knocked out. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Do you, uh, do you have his name up, Christian, his opponent? Uh, is it the TIE Fighter? Yeah, the TIE Fighter. Oh damn! Uh, it's uh, I'm gonna pr- try to pronounce it. Maybe you can fix it for me. Yo- Yot Kitsada Yuthan Shamburi. <laughs> you know, I think you got that right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm also laughing now because <laughs> you uh, Shamburi, his record is 108 wins, 38 losses, four draws. Damn. That's over. That's. Almost 200 fights that he's had, and Takaru's 36 and one. Um, actually, I think it's probably 37 and one now. And then uh, Yutha Chanburi is 108, 39 and four now. Um, but um, yeah, you know Takaru Sugawa was opposite Tenshin Nasakawa uh, during um, during when he had when he was fighting in Rise. I don't know what. Did they even fight the fight same time? Even maybe. Probably. That, oh, wait, actually, no, no, because Tenchin probably fought three hours before Takaru. No, about two or three hours before Takaru did. So here's the. So I I asked my Japanese friends, um, who's more well known, Takaru or Tenchin, and you know who he told me? Take a guess. Tenchin. He told me Takaru. Oh. And here's the reason why. Takaru has is always he's always on um like the, like morning talk shows. Uh, he's always a he's a, he's more of a guest than Tension is. He's always more. He's doing more diverse things. He's like put out an album or something as well. Then he like has like a, a, a or a, a song album or he recorded so, like a bunch of songs or something. As well, hmm. he's done. He's he's branched out outside boxing as well. He's done commercials. He's done like I think even modeling maybe. So his he's 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 a lot more well known like like outside the kickboxing world than apparently Tension is. That's what he told me. Wow. That's just that's just one person. Um. Obviously, here though, uh, with JMMA fans in America, probably you'd have to say attention is more famous than Takaru. I don't think Takaru's name has gone outside, is well known outside Japan. Probably like uh, uh, Naoya Inoue, you know, is to boxing in Japan uh, versus in America, probably. Would you, I don't know if you'd agree with that. Uh, to be honest, when it comes down to attention, of course his name is more known outside of Japan than. Takaru Rabe. Uh, no, wait, actually, I think his last name is Sagawa. Yeah, Sagawa. Yeah. Um, I don't even think he goes by his last name anymore. I think he just goes by Takaru, even. Oh, yeah, like every other like every other athlete with one name, pretty much, that's famous for one name. Uh, yeah, so... Um, but I also want to connect that to the Rise card, which just which was also going on at the same time. Uh, which was um, uh, you got you you saw the rise card right? Uh, 
Uh, Christian? Yes, I did. I mean, I seen bits and pieces of the Rise card, but all I really cared about was the main events. I think that's fair to say that, that that's what a lot of people were, were paying attention to. Maybe one or two other matches, um, but um, I thought the card was overall great. I thought it was... Oh, and also they had a they had English commentary as well from um, from uh, Stuart Stu- Fulton and Alex Roberts. Yes, and Stuart Fulton might be my favorite commentator right now in uh, combat sports. He breaks down things to so- because of the fact that he's British. Uh, yeah. No, actually, he's Scottish. I will, That's also a factor, but also he's got a you know he manages to make things understandable at a level that are. Okay, I see why that's happening, or I see why the why that fire is doing that. And also, he's hilarious on commentary. The his his I don't know what to call him. I guess his catch not catchphrases, but like his comparisons or his or his similes for like oh so and so's game is game beat down like a five dollar hooker or something like that. You know, <laughs> you know he says stuff like that. You know, uh, it's it's like it's it's so engaging his commentary. Rodriguez, you know, good, you know, I don't think it was bad at all, but, you know, I don't, Gordon, you know, uh, he knows it shit really well. I could see why he's, they always bring him in for those uh, Quintet cards. I think he does KSW as well, I think. Um, no, actually, Stewart doesn't do KSW. Oh, he doesn't? Oh, wait a minute, you're talking about Alex Roberts, right? Alex Roberts, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm getting, yeah, Alex Roberts, sorry, yeah, um, but, like, Stuart Gordon seems to be the guy that, like, you know, that you, that you bring in, well, like, there's a Japanese card going on, um, uh, for, if you want English commentary, uh, uh, so, like, yeah, I thought the commentary is great overall, I thought the, uh, the, the presentation as well was great, uh, they had, uh, they had video introductions for, for the fighters, uh, other than the English fighters, you know, they did a subtitle in English, which I don't have a problem with. Um, entrances were... Wait ve- a minute. When it came down to the Rise entrances, did they play the music overall? Oh, yes, they did. That was, that's another thing I was going to comment on, was that was that a lot, you know... Um, yeah, they, they played the music. None of it was muted. They didn't talk over the, the entrances. Um... Some of the one of the fighters had a very incredible entrance. Uh, Black Panther Bay Noah came out to uh, he uh, came out to a, a very I'm trying to remember the, the rap song that he did, but he came out and was dancing and jamming. He was clearly full of energy and charisma. Unfortunately, the fight did not go his way as he got knocked out by Top Ron. But nonetheless, Bay Noah had an, incre- an incredible entrance. It was. I don't want to say it was on par with Ryzen, but it was very, you know, given what Rise, where it was, I've, you know, I'll, actually, I'll put it this way, compared to what UFC does with their entrances, Rise was, was light years ahead of them. Um, Shit, come to think of it, when it comes down to Bay Noah, I wouldn't mind seeing Ryzen bring him in. Uh, do an entrance like that. Oh, that'd be great as well, that'd be great as well. Um... There, you know, it was so funny. The first, the, the the card was going by so fast initially because the first, the first matches, the first one, two, three, four, five matches were all finishes. Four of them being the first rounds, um, and it was it was like it was just finish after finish after finish. And like I thought that like wow, this card's gonna finish up 
at like 4 a.m. I'm gonna be able to get to sleep. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. As when the when they got into the uh, the uh, the of uh, the rest of the um, uh, tournament matches, the Grand Prix matches, uh, other than the main events, um, actually for the main event matches, uh, for the uh, for the for the tournament matches, there were one, two, three finishes. Um, actually, I think we, we, you, Zach, and I all predicted how many finishes would be on the card. The total amount of finishes that they had were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven finishes. Um, and that's pretty... Wow. That's, out of a fight, out of a 15 fight card or something? Uh, out of 14 fights, but only, but only two of them, uh, two of them were not aired. So that's 12. So that's more than half. That's great. Damn. Um. Uh. Yeah. You know. It, this. This rise car was overall very good. Probably. You know. People who I was probably most impressed with were. Um, uh. Tapron. Uh. The way he knocked out. Uh. Bay Noah. Uh. Kendo Haraguchi. I know Kendo Haraguchi had that match against Taiga. Uh. At Ryzen last year, and he. They. It went to a draw, and neither of them looked like. Not not too impressive, or I should say tension, because they both said they wanted to fight tension after they beat their opponent, and neither of them looked tension ready. After this match, after Keno Haraguchi just just his the match lasted twenty five seconds in the first round. He kicked the uh, his opponent in the in the liver. Opponent went down. Opponent did not get up. Keno Haraguchi looked like a million bucks. Probably the quickest paycheck he's ever made. He's ever made. Um. And actually, speaking of Taiga, Taiga lost in his match against uh, Sexwan um, in a split decision, and it was not an impressive match, I think, for either one, in my personal opinion. Um, there was a something weird happened during one of the matches. Okay, I gotta explain. So during there was a uh, a, a uh, the uh, 128 pound um, portion of the tournament. Shiro defeated Vladislav Mikaitas um, from the Ukraine. Did you happen to see this? Mm-hmm. Did you happen to look up this match or see this match at all? No, I didn't. So during in between breaks, uh, in between the rounds, Vladis the Mikaitis um team, his coach would 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 pour water into his mouth and then spit it on Vladislav's face. Yeah. I never have seen that before. Ever, I don't know why he did that. I thought that was very weird, but like, yeah, they post pointed out in commentary, and I was just like, "Wow, that's just so." That is a we- I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. Um, one, I think only one of the matches went uh, total four. One of the matches only went uh, overtime. That was uh, uh, Taiju Shiratori versus uh, Hector Santiago. Um, and Taiju Shiratori, who's also a uh, member of Tension's Gym, Teppen Gym, and also fought in, in Rise as well, uh, last year, knocking out uh, Usa, uh, everyone's favorite asshole in kickboxing. Um, <laughs> yep, uh, but Hector Santiago, um, he's from Brazil. I don't know, I know, I don't know anything about him, um. Other than the video that they showed, but he looked like a fucking 
animal. You know who he reminded me of? He reminded me like if Justin, uh, uh, Hector Santiago. Um, he's from his affiliation team is the Santiago team. Um, I don't know where he is from Brazil, uh, but uh, he reminded me of like a Justin Gaethy, like in kickboxing. If that, if if you can, uh, mm -hmm. if Justin Gaethy were kickboxing, he might be Hector Santiago. And like even and even though Hector Santiago lost, um, I would love to see him in again in a kickboxing match, whether it be Rise, uh, Ryzen, um, whatever it be. Um, he is um, he was yeah he was just like a, a fucking uh, he was incredible. Um, now uh, of course we gotta talk about the main event, which is I think a lot of love what a lot of people were paying attention to. So the main event, uh, I, I gotta take a drink of water, Christian. Uh, you can take over for me. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know much about the Rise card other than, like I said, the Tenshin Nasakawa Federico. I mean, Federico Roma fight. But still, from what you're describing about it, it seemed like it was a pretty good card. Exactly. We also got to talk about what uh, the finish of the uh, of the uh, of Tenshin's match, which. It looked like it was going to go to decision, or at least maybe be stopped by stop to stoppage, because uh, tension did did bust open uh, um, Federico's face, uh, Federico Roma's face. Um, and um, what happened was that, uh, so they're you know they're, they're you know they're squaring off, they're squaring off, and then tension does a capoeira wizard kick, knocks out Federico cold. In the third round, wow. total like, I think pro. Let's see the the three. I'm trying to think of like what the best finishes are of this year. Um, probably Henry Corrales knocking out Aaron Pico has to be one of them. Um, in the uh, Bellator, um, I definitely have to say that uh, Ryan Bader knocking out Fedor is one of them. Um. And, and uh, you can even say the same for Fedor knocking out Frank Mir or Charles Sonnen. Uh, was that this year or was that last year? That was last year. Okay. Um, along and you know probably this this knockout tension. Uh, they're definitely in the top three knockouts of the year in my opinion. Um, and you know probably you know tension's knockout could probably make number one. You know he could probably you know even uh one-up himself, you know, next time he fights in Rise, uh, which I think they, they just released round two today, um, the Osaka card for their round two uh, matches. Um, at least I saw the poster for it. Um, let me double-check on it. Um, the Rise card will be in Osaka. Ah, yes, here it is. Uh, yes. Yeah, the uh, it has been released, and they'll probably... They only have the the tournament matches there, and so um, they'll probably have like some other matches, maybe uh, some uh, super fights as they call them. But yeah, uh, Tension's supposed to be fighting uh, Sirkim. Um, I believe they have fought before, right? Mhm. Mm no, I... wait, actually, I don't think they have. I might not be too sure. Okay. Um, Sirkim, you know, Muay Thai fighter from from Thailand, probably has like. Thousand fights under his record, he looked very good in his in his match at Rise. Um, 
So, you know, the other thing is that he's also very tall. He's very tall. Um, so, uh, I think he might be... Tension's short. I will be interested to see how Tension matches up against Circum. It'll, it'll definitely be a, a, a stylistically incredible fight. Um, but what happened after the match was... We did not get any word on what on Tension's opponent for Rise of 15, even though we were told, I think Tension even said it himself on Twitter, I will announce my, my opponent after I win my match at Rise, at the Rise um, thing. So, do you want to hear my conspiracy theory, Christian? What? Why, um, why, um, Tension did not announce it as his opponent at Rise? Go ahead. So, the talk apparently has been, and... You know, this is what apparently, and this is what Floyd Mayweather said, is that Gervonta Davis would be fighting Tenshin Nasakawa in Japan in April, which is supposed to be when the the Rise of 15 card is. So, taking at, taking Floyd Mayweather as word, which, you know, you shouldn't regularly do, but we'll do for the for, for argument's sake here. Uh, if, if that is true, what happened recently with Gervonta Davis was he got into a felony, he got arrested for felony assaults in Virginia, um, do you know the, what the, what happened exactly? Why he got arrested for felony assault, Christian? All I know is that he was basically hanging around some dudes he had no business hanging around. And he got into a little argument that ended up turning into a tussle that led to the assault charge. Well, also, just basically what, what, what anybody Floyd Mayweather's team would basically, seems like a regular Friday night for them. So nonetheless, mm-hmm. nonetheless, he uh, assault is a felony charge. Uh, that is uh, that is the highest charge you can uh, of, of criminality you can be charged with. Well, that's misdemeanor, which is like is nothing. It's nothing you have to worry about. With a felony assault charge, uh, that can result in fines. That can result in civil lawsuit. That can result in jail time, community service, yada yada yada. So. Since that happened, since that actually happened, I think a week or two before the the tensions kickboxing match, what exactly? Oh no, I think that happened the week before. Okay. Tensions kickboxing match. Okay, so let's presume that the fight was supposed to happen with Javante Davis at Rise of Fifteen. If the fight, if this, the fight, tension cannot announce a fight for an opponent who has just got arrested for felony assault because he cannot leave the country. Because of, of the nature of his charges. The FBI will be all over his ass like white on rice. Exactly. There will, there will be no exceptions. You know, there, he's not, he's, you're not going to get an exemption, you know, saying, hey, I got to do this one kickboxing match because uh, I agreed to it. Uh, you know, you can't do that. No, that's not going to happen. And also, here's the thing as well. If he gets charged with felony assault, he may not be even allowed in Japan. So, you know, if he gets convicted, I should say. If he gets convicted, he may not even be allowed in Japan ever again. Um, or ever again in the future. So, my conspiracy theory is, yes, the fight with John Vivante Davis was supposed to happen, and he was going to announce it, but he didn't because he got arrested. That's at least what I believe. That's my conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. So, right now, so yeah, there is no opponent for tension at uh, Rise of 15, even though he is all over the uh, posters. The rumors are, though, supposedly... Justin Scoggins is uh might be might be in the running for that. That's just rumors, but as of now, it is not Javante Davis who will be fighting Rise of him at Rise of Fifteen, and that's uh, I I I'm happy 
that that seems to have not happened, or will not be happening. What do you think, Christian? Hey, I'm happy that it ain't going to be happening, too. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of us who actually follow this are, I mean, are going to be happy that it ain't happening, but still. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm, you know. Things come with consequences. And I, you know, I hope this, I hope it just allow, doesn't, I hope it will just mean that, it, that they won't try to make the fight again. Here's, if he gets convicted of assault, he's not, that fight's not happening, regardless. If he somehow gets off or gets lowered to a misdemeanor, I hope that Ryzen doesn't try to find a way to, to, um, still have this fight happen at a later date. Uh, but also, regarding tension, uh, and Takaru. Gone Magazine, which I didn't know existed, still existed. Um, we were talking about that off air. We thought that uh, Gone Magazine, a uh, a a sports pro wrestling combat sports magazine in Japan, um, had on their front cover a picture of Tension and Takaru. And I'm not so sure what it said in Japanese, but I have to be presuming that if they're asking for a fight between the two. Um, so, I mean, uh, I'm going to try to find it, uh, I'm going to try to find to see if I can find a picture of the poster, of the, I mean, of the cover. Uh, yes, here it is. Uh, this is from, um, this is from the, uh, MMA Amino, uh, AminoApps.com. Um, and the article says, Tension and Takaru, both on Gone Cover, and... Uh, the article says the two rivals are placed on the Gone magazine cover. Hope publicity like this push it, pushes the fight closer to happening. And, um, yeah. Uh, what do you think about this being on the, uh, on, uh, gracing the, the cover of Gone, uh, the two of them? Uh, Christian. If, it, if it's gonna build tension, no pun intended, if it's gonna build any tension between the two and, uh, fact that this fight needs to get made like within the next year or so then by all means it's going to be something incredible exactly I mean, it's going to be something incredible when this fight does announce if it's just there to sell magazines and stuff then what's the point of even making if it's not going to happen well you know that's the thing you know you know, if that fight if fight is announced, I'm buying my I'm buying my airplane ticket to Japan and buy and getting my ticket to wherever it will be, because I want to see that fight live. The other issue here's the other issue why this fight has to happen sooner rather than later. We got the 2020 Olympics coming up, and guess what? Uh -huh. We got two kickboxers who might be who could be possibly recruited to be on the Japanese kickboxing Olympic team. Well, actually, the Japanese national boxing team. Oh, that too. Yeah, 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 the boxing team. So, you know, if that happens, then like, oh boy, that will just make another. That will just that will just complicate this tension and talk roof fight happening. And you know, I feel like this is one of those things where like every year it goes by, every year like it seems like the fight. I mean, like. Here's the thing I don't want this. You know, if the fight ever happens, I don't want it to be like Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. I hope it doesn't turn out to be like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it can be, but it's just like, 
that's just what worries me. That like whenever there's like a super fight like that, that just gets it gets delayed and delayed and delayed. I feel like then you just you're asking for something like Manny Pacquiao and uh and uh Foy where you know some you know if something happens you know it just get, it's just gonna you know it's gonna complicate the fight you know like if if Takaru or Tenjin got injured and they went to that match you know with an injury and the fight sucks you know. It just you know, especially as they get older and old, I know I know that Takaru is uh is not about that well. Ta uh, he's about like twenty seven, twenty eight, maybe I think. So not that much older than Tension. And Tension is twenty. Tension is about to be twenty one. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, Tension doesn't have to worry about really like. Well, here's the only thing I have to worry about. If if Ryzen continues boxing, booking him in these stupid boxing matches, then yeah, then uh, then I'm worried about this fight happening. You know. Uh, about about Takaru and uh and uh Tension being exciting fight because Tension will have no more brain cells to even stand up if he continues getting these if they're gonna continue trying these stupid boxing matches, but it's just like you know I I want I would rather see this fight sooner rather than later because I feel like this is that's the type of kickboxing match that can reignite kickboxing, uh, for the general for a general audience outside the usual people who watch it. What do you think? Do you agree with me on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I was, and you know, they, oh, they also both posted. Uh, I think you know, it's funny. Neither of them called each other out to, uh, at when they won their matches. They both got on the microphone, and you know, they didn't mention one another. I don't think. Um, but uh, I know on Twitter, I think it was Takaru who said, "I'll see you at the Tokyo Dome." In December or something to t to attention. Um. If if that happens, if that happens on its intended date, I'll definitely be excited. Um. How would you? I'm curious to know if if, if a tension talk room match were to happen, who would be? Which umbrella promotion would you under? Would you have it under? Do you think that maybe K1 and, and, and Ryzen could maybe do a joint card? Kind of like, you know, like what Bellator and uh, Dynamite, those Bellator Dynamite shows, um, where like the first five matches are kickboxing, and then after that, five matches are MMA, and then the main event kickboxing match or something along those lines. Just to have them be a part of that card, it would be cool too. 
Oh, yeah, no, that'd be cool. That'd be cool as well. I know the only reason why, like, I would say that Ryzen should have to be involved is because K1 has no international, uh, has no international arm as now. Um, heck, even Deep has a better, has better international outreach by putting their shows on YouTube. K1, you know, putting, put, periscoping a show on Twitter, ugh, it, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't tell, that doesn't sound like, that's not exactly reaching international audiences with, uh, with your product that you're putting out there. At least with, with Ryzen, you have the fight, the fight connection, um, and, uh, you know, you still have the Bellator connection, maybe you can, it can even be aired, you know, on pay-per-view, Ryzen Rise, Rise did that for one of their shows. Uh, two years ago, uh, for, uh, uh, they had it, they actually had it on a traditional pay-per-view, and, um, yeah, I think that Ryzen could, I think, as long as Ryzen is involved, I think that the fight will be, could be better marketed, I think, to international audiences. With K1, you know, they'll, they'll market to internet, to Japan audiences, they'll be able to watch it on a Vima or whatever, yada, 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 but, you know, that's a fight that I would want as many eyes on as possible because whoever wins that match would be obviously the the hottest star in kickboxing, and they it could lead to you know it could lead to international uh, an international revitalization of kickboxing outside the outside Japan. I personally think. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. Other than that, though, you know, um, yeah, you know, the Rise Show was great. I recommend if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check it out. It's on Fight TV, um, uh, which you can purchase it with the with your uh, coupon. Oh yeah, actually, here's the other thing I want to bring up as well um, regarding Rise, and it's regarding R slash MMA. I'm really pissed off about it. So I tried to create a a a live thread for the Rise card on R slash MMA, and it was never approved by the mods. Christian? Minute. Oh, We're trying to. I was trying. I tried to make a, a live. I tried to make a live thread for the for the rise card. Uh, on R slash MMA, and it was never approved by the mods. Wow, what a bunch of dicks! I'm. I was very upset about that because I thought that this would be a good way for people for people to check out the card. I had the full the full card with with the weight divisions. I had Tenshin Nasakawa in the in the head in the header of, of the uh thing because obviously here's saying people that's Tenshin was the star of the show. And he was clearly marketed uh, as the star of the show, but yeah, the mods never proved it. I was very angry, and you know. Basically, R slash MMA is, is R slash UFC at this point. I was not happy that they decided to do that. It's like, you know, it's like whenever they bring well, up... Well, you know, that's their fault. It's their fault, but, you know, I'm also pissed off because I wanted to get a discussion for the show, and there's I couldn't have a discussion because no mod approved the, the post. So, like, you know, so then... I'll just, you know, I'll just basically conversing with people on Twitter the entire time, which I'm not, ha I'm, I'm fine with, but you know what? Reddit is an, is another way to get to get another discussion going, and it, it wasn't able to happen because of fucking mods on uh on R slash MMA. The, the the mods there are really, they gotta really like clean up their act. They gotta just they gotta just 
they have to be more. They have, they need to become become more unified about what is allowed on there and what's not allowed. There really needs to be some sort of 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 consistent rules there because there's no consistent rules there at all. It's really disheartening that 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 a very popular place to discuss MMA like that. You know, there's just just a bunch of of shit happens that 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 like could so could so easily be curbed or avoided, but for whatever reason the mods don't care or just want it to be only UFC talk or only articles from MMA fighting or Sure Dog or uh, Bloody Elbow. You know, it can't be anything else. You know, besides those. It sucks. It really sucks. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes down to people. I mean, especially when it comes down to, you know, articles from sites that already have, I mean, they already have the article out first before everybody else. They ought to, I mean, I know you or T, one of y'all told the story about how you guys posted something first and tried to put it on Reddit MMA, but it never got approved by the mods well, or it just got deleted. Yeah, what happens is that there was a, a, a writer uh, who broke a story for Ryzen or something, or for, for UFC uh, from MMASucker.com, and his article was not was removed, and then the MMA fighting article or whatever was, was put in place of that. And got many more hits and clicks, obviously, because it was considered the one that broke the news. And it was just, it was just really fuck. It was just a, sh- it was just a, sh- uh. yeah, it's just a shitty thing. You know, it's the complete opposite of Square Circle, the wrestling forum, where it's an absolute uh, war zone, where there's no rules and no nothing, no nothing. But the problem is with the mods of of R slash MMA is that they're like that they're so stuck in their ways that it's like it's it really sucks to have like a a cohesive. Great discussion about MMA there when it's only like UFC talk or or UFC related stuff that's allowed you to be. What? You know what? I got an idea. I got an idea. And how about we create our own damn right? I mean, how about we create our own damn Reddit blog, our own subreddit, if we could? Oh well, well, there's also the Ryzen, um, the Ryzen, um, uh, Ryzen, uh, R slash Ryzen FF, uh, which actually is becoming a lot more, uh, a lot more, uh, uh, frequented, uh, uh, by, uh, by people who are interested in Ryzen. The, uh, the people from Ryzen who post, who use, who, uh, the official Ryzen Reddit account posts on there. There's a lot of, disc- it's becoming more, a lot more, uh, there's a lot more going on there. So I definitely recommend that as well. Um, the, the only rule is don't be an asshole. Which I think is the easiest rule that anybody can follow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, other than that, you know, there wasn't really that much Ryzen, just like the Ryzen directed related news. Um, we'll, we'll, well, next week, you know, we'll definitely talk more about the, uh, the Bloodsport show. We can also talk about the Quintet show next week, which will have uh, a Ryzen team and, um, and uh, uh, Miyu Yamamoto's wrestling team on, on that show. I think it's Quintet 7. And by the way, when it comes down to that Quintet show, it'll typically be an all-ladies show. Oh, yes. Thank you for correcting that. Yeah, that's a, it'll, be, it'll be an all-women's uh, Quintet uh, uh, show. So there's that as well. Um, so, the, yeah, that's a show to definitely look out for um, if you have the UFC Fight Pass. Unfortunately, I do not. Um, Neither do I. Yeah. 
apparently a lot of people don't. Apparently, uh, the I think a lot of people will be getting UF uh, getting the ESPN app now. Apparently, or that's at least what UFC would want. Um, but um, yeah, there's that. And then um, uh, you know, if any any more rising breaking news comes out, you know, like if they announce, you know, Anthony Joshua. Uh, or, or not, Anthony Deontay Wilder taking on uh, Tenshin Nasakawa will definitely like do an emergency. Oh God, no, 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 that ain't happening. Uh, uh, stop, okay. stop, Mike. Okay. How about Mikey Garcia instead? How about Mikey Garcia versus Tension? No, that ain't happening. That can't happen. <laughs> it wasn't. It was, after after his fight with Earl Spence Jr., I I say you know Mikey Garcia. Should should get a, a, any easy fight so he can get a win back, so he doesn't look like doesn't look like how absolute how bad he was during that match. Right, right. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, oh yeah, for MMA soccer, I recently just did an interview with Mizuki Inoue, um, who is uh, with Invicta, uh, and will be part of their flyweight. Uh, so, excuse me, a strawweight tournament. Uh. Which will have a bunch of other fighters as well. Um, I don't know that. Yeah, it'll be a one night. She's gonna be part of a one night strawweight tournament. If you haven't noticed. Yes, and. Uh, I mean, she's gonna be part of Phoenix Rising. Yeah, that's an end of the other. winner becomes. I mean, when a winner, I'm not sure if they strawweight title shot is going straight to the UFC. I know Mizuki wants to go straight to the UFC. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. You know. Um, if she goes straight to UFC, or if it's like if like the winner gets a title bout or title shot, um, so that would, either one wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, I know she's she's definitely wants to go to UFC. Um, so yeah, I have a video interview of her. Um, is there anything going on with Focus Fights right now, Christian? That you want to plug? Um, to be honest, not. I mean, there's Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at We Are Rising Pod, uh, and for my for our personal accounts, mine, uh, Andrew Benjamin, is at a Benja one, and uh, Christian, you're uh, want to plug your Twitter as well. I am at Chris ninety two on Twitter. Mm hmm. And uh, we also have uh, regarding stuff that's coming up as well, Rising stuff. Uh, we do have some interviews that we have scheduled. I can't say them right now, but I can definitely tell you we're gonna have some fires from the Rise and Fifteen show. Uh, we have we're gonna have some audio interviews and a video interview as well with one of the with one of the Japanese fighters. Um, and um, 
And uh, oh yeah, and we also will have some we'll have an interview we'll have some interviews for the Bloodsport Josh Barnett's Bloodsport fighters uh, coming up as well. So we, there's that to look forward to. And then uh, you know soon Rise of Fifteen will be just around the corner. And you know hopefully we could get Zach back on um, or somebody else or you know we could, we'll be covering that. And then uh, the review show. So uh, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, we have a uh, We Are Wisen uh, podcast official YouTube channel, which will a lot more stuff will be up on, I promise. Uh, we are available on SoundCloud and on Stitcher uh, for all your uh, listening needs. And uh, as of that's uh, I think that basically covers all of it. Uh, any last words, Christian? Well... All I know is we thank you guys for checking out our podcast. We thank you guys for sticking with us for the last two hours and 30 minutes, I guess. But we also hope that we gave y'all something else to look forward to. And we also hope that you enjoyed us shooting the shit about combat sports other than just rising. We promise the next time we get back on this little thing, we will talk to y'all about what's going to happen at Ryzen, what's going to happen at Josh Barnett's Blood Sport, and everything else in the combat sports world. So until then, even though I know I don't have the Lenny Hart sound effect with me, all I got to say is, hey, we are Ryzen. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I hope you have a great day.